bist du hier aller Ehre. Was ist Wundes hier geschehe? Dass ein Magd ein Kind This is The New Right, a podcast for the lost arts, reclaiming the literary holy land from the heathen. This is Dan Baltic. And this is Matt Pegas. And this is episode 35. And on this episode, despair is prohibited because (laughs) we are here with the man, the legend, Stained Haynes. Good good afternoon, gentlemen. Thanks for having me on. It is great to have you here, Haynes. And uh, yeah, so I mean, a little bit about you. Many people already know you, but you are the founder and creator of 718 TV, which is a kind of hybrid apparel poster um, company that uh, produces kind of like visual and uh, wearable content throughout New York City and beyond. (laughs) Yes, yes. And uh, Cars and Women magazine, which is a very cool DIY type of zine. I have multiple copies here that uh, Haynes has personally given me. So I'm uh, very thankful for that. Super Predator magazine. And uh, yeah, in general, you are a man about town in New York City. And uh, we have (laughs) run into each other at uh, FedFest. That's where we met. Right. And uh, last night, uh, not last night, uh, two nights ago at the expat reading. Right. And which is which is appropriate because you're Brooklyn trash and I'm Queens trash. Exactly. So like, you know, tra- like trash meets trash. A huntsman always recognizes hmm. another huntsman in the woods. Exactly. So, so kind of like serendipitously, um, you know, we end up uh, we've crossed paths. Um, F- FedFest in particular was funny because I had less than zero idea of what I was going into i usually bring copies of the zine and some shirts because i know i'm gonna meet some mutuals and like you know uh soon to be homies and like hey uh i, I am that dork in the luchador mask making a mess <laughs> of this city you know because uh, uh, i don't want to freak people out and just show up with a mask and like four large pies no like <laughs> i, I want to hear the i want to hear i, I want to enjoy live shit like a normal human being you know so uh i meet you I didn't know if it was BYOB, but I remember pouring you a glass of vodka that could have stunned a mule because I didn't know how long we were going to be up there. I didn't know what was happening. But no, um, uh, a man about <laughs> that... town insofar as uh, the, the, it, now you got to do things online to get things shaking in, in meat space, you know? Absolutely. Uh, and, and that was a powerful uh, pour. Like after that, <laughs> I remember I was talking with Pill Eater and the roof started spinning and I was like, uh, yeah, it's time to exit stage left. 
before <laughs> things get hairy for Dan up here on the roof. But uh, it, uh, yeah, no, it was great to meet you at FedFest. And uh, yeah, no, continuing to hang out at these other events. And uh, yeah. It, it is <clears throat> It is kind of wild how small of a world it is uh, because uh, you could shadow box on Twitter for as long as you'd like. And you could have like, uh, first of all, there's a difference between followers and a following. All right. And you could get really good at shadow boxing on Twitter and have like fuck all to show for it outside the screen, you know? So there comes a point where the overlap of online and meet space, um, if you want to do anything meaningful or enact anything proactive, like you have to go like offline. And I'm really glad that Absolutely. there are these events here in the city that like, you know, can even con uh, be conductive to such a thing. Like, uh, like the expat reading a couple of days ago, like that was all sorts of pleasant. And, and even my old cranky ass, and I want to be like, you know, people online are crazy. Back in my day, no one used their real name on the internets. This is crazy. And, and then, you know, meeting people like, you know, you, and then getting to meet a uh, poetry grifter, Steph, like getting to Absolutely. meet uh, people who, have, who I've interacted with online and then i could put a face and a voice to a name and it's kind of cool because now i read all your tweets in your voice and like matt like uh, for, uh, until time immemorial if there's twitter in fucking heaven i'm reading your tweets in your voice buddy it, yeah it, it, I don't <laughs> think no absolutely i mean it's, it kind of seems like um the you know the the fusion of meat space and online has always been part of what you do stain would you say that's accurate like uh you, you from the very start, you've been tweeting, but also making, you know, kind of like almost like shit posting in real life, right? Yes, yeah. yes, that is exactly what it is. It's shit posting in meat space. Uh, yeah. It's it's uh, um, it's somewhere. All right, so the flyers and the stickers are somewhere between like DIY psyops and shit posting in meat space. It's somewhere in between those two. So. Um, I got on Twitter because uh, I figured, all right, like Shepard Fairey fucking spammed cities with Obey and Andre the Giant has a posse. It took him like 15 years, but he eventually became like a sort of household name. Mm -hmm. Did the Obama Hope poster and cashed out. And like, I don't blame him, but I don't got 15 years. However, you know, now the, the first and last arbiter of most things, if not all, is now the Internet. So if, if what someone says has weight or merit or substance, even things like semantics, like takes like, you know, uh, it plays second fiddle to that, you know? So uh, I feel like with the flyers, some of them, you could just remove the text and you know what the hell's going on. Like the Absolutely. writing with the spare prohibited flyer. That's my favorite one. That's like watching Mine a telenovela, not knowing Spanish and still understanding what's happening. But like the image version of that. Mm -hmm. So no, like very, very astute point, Matt. I, I've been calling it shit posting in meat space since like day one. And people look at me like a fucking dog that gets shown a card trick. So <laughs> just to give people a kind of sense of what, what you do, you are going around the city, putting up flyers, sticking them on, on walls, on, you know, kind of buildings and spaces which are images of the t-shirts you also sell which are these kind of like, well, one of them, the one that I like the most, the t-shirt you gave me the other night is uh, riding with despair prohibited. And this is a, a picture of a kind of like, you know, stick man on the subway 
holding his head and there's like a big cross over that and at yeah. the bottom it says keep hopes up and so you are going around the city putting up flyers like this putting up flyers that you know it's it's interesting to me that people are kind of have have a sense of like like we've talked we know that you're you know kind of of the right as are we but uh, there, there's an intuitive sense that these are like dissident posters. These are right-coded posters. And it's like, it's weird because it, sh- it shouldn't really be that. Like riding oh, with the right. stare prohibited, keep oh, hopes up. That, I mean, should, that should be a universal message, really. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a story behind that flyer in particular, but I'm glad you bring up a, a good point about, uh, about what these things are called. Because in my opinion, I think a lot of things get labeled as dissident or even right wing because for some people, the only way others could possibly disagree with them and their worldview, which they presuppose is the default worldview, has to come from, quote unquote, the other side. All right. Like I've never made any explicit political messages or statements in my stuff other than class and the fact that I just really fucking hate liberals. Like I have a, <laughs> I have a bone to pick with them because like, all right, like. I'm the child of immigrants. I'm Queens trash. Like that's from Greece. Mom's from Ecuador. My brother and I are first generation American. So I remember having to like, you know, uh, sometimes like translate for, for mom in the parent teacher conference. And, you know, uh, only a particular kind of population, whenever talking to immigrants or people darker than that, they talk to them like they're pants on head, retarded, eating rubber cement. <laughs> Like, you know, the, you know, the way people can be really cruel when talking to someone in like a wheelchair or in crutches, like talking at them instead of talking to them. I grew up seeing that, like watching people talk to my mom, like she was some fucking like five headed ogre you had to make nice with when she's this like tiny five, one lady, you know, with like the heaviest like accent in the world. So, um, so no, like I find it fascinating how there are a number of people who find ourselves in a weird particular corner it's not as nebulous as uh as it seems like on the outside at times because you know online can seem like it stretches forever but i think a lot of people get labeled this just because you know um i think we have to come to terms with there's a population of people will never convince we're right or even they're wrong because and i think um what you guys are doing is a perfect example of like you know say what you will about terrence mckenna Go out and start your own roadshow. There's no point in consuming culture manufactured from the bones of a dying world, you know? Absolutely. So, so, like, it could come in many forms. Like, hey, the good and the bad news is that, like, it's all in your hands. And I will say the people who label others as dissident and right-wing in a pejorative way, um, these cocksuckers don't make. These are just fucking, like, talentless pricks who, even if they do have talent, they, they spend it snobbishly tearing down the works of others. Because like leftist literature, progressive anything, it's fucking hogwash and it's uninspired, self-indulgent tripe. Nothing worthwhile or meaningful has come from it in a substantial sort of way that isn't inflated by Twitter numbers and metrics and bots. And that's the only way you can convince people it's real because, you know, that fucking website is perfected. Everything you see here is true and everything you don't isn't. But I digress. But no, no, like... um, Politics is a really weird angle when it comes to this, because I think there's enough overlap for, you know, um, never in my life would I ever think like a neo-Confederate, a Zionist and a black nationalist could all sit at the same table. 
and be like, let me tell you about the Federal Reserve, man. Or like, you know Absolutely. what they're you know, you know what they're teaching my kids in school, <laughs> you know? And, and and that isn't explicitly right wing or dissident, is it? You know? But no, yeah. But I mean, it's people, like that trope that you know the the racists are the inclusive ones, and like there huh. there is an element of truth to that. It's um, <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of um like. Like we, we were, I mean, this is later in the notes, but uh, that there's a, a kind of difference. If you grew up and I'm a native New Yorker, you're a native New Yorker, you grow up around um, other cultures and you, you learn to appreciate their, um, you know, eccentricities. You learn to appreciate, you know, other people for their, you know, interesting backgrounds. And right. there's a real difference between that type of like appreciation of other cultures and the kind of woke diversity is a, a, a virtue, uh, you know, mindset. Mm, you say? Yeah, and, it, that's, that's a very good point. I mean, like, I, I don't want to skip too far ahead, but I would like to comment on how like, all right, no, this is like a it's not so much a, a, an open secret because like I imagine it works the same way in Brooklyn sans the, gentri- the hyper gentrified parts. All right. But like. First of all, Queens is the most ethnically diverse county in the United States. And one of the reasons it works, if not the reason it works, is because once people show up here, they self-segregate. So, like, if you take the seven line, yeah, you have, like, the Latin American consulate for a while, you know. and e- But then even then, like, the Mexicans segregate with themselves. So do the Peruvians, the Uruguayans. The four Argentinians have their own block, you know. <laughs> so uh, I would argue... Every corner of the earth that comes to Queens does that. So um, everyone sticks to their own up until I don't want to say out of necessity. I mean, like, I, I think one because like, like, all right. So the comparison you made, remember when there were people who like equated diversity to just nothing but like music and food and the cool things about their cultures. And, yeah. and no one talks about how like, hey, like Indians who come to Queens, like maintain that caste system bullshit. So like even if some <laughs> even if like some delete makes it and he's like fucking rolling it big and this guy's unstoppable, like there are people who will cross the street and he's like, oh no, he's he's an untouchable. Fuck that guy. I used to have <laughs> 20 people wash my ass back in India who looked just like him. Fuck that guy. That's happening right now in Jackson Heights. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So so uh I think diversity as a lived experience is worlds apart from like you know fucking oregon trail pioneers who show up to like you know um williamsburg in the early 2000s and then like and all their talk of diversity and shit and then like 16 17 years later like they're at a town hall meeting they're being told to shut up because they're so angry that the spawn of the people they're pushing out has to sit next to their precious artifact children in school a circle of life man that's diversity for you um Dan, I'm sorry to hear what happens to your borough, but dude, like, there's something <laughs> wrong with Brooklyn. I, 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 okay, fellas, Matt, hmm. Dan, I can't prove yeah. this, but I but I believe this to be true. All right, in the early 2000s, whoever was in charge of gentrifying Brooklyn, they figured it out so well that they then copied and pasted it and used it elsewhere. Like what happened with Williamsburg. Okay, they copied. And then they pasted it and they figured out how to fine tune it to the idiosyncrasies of wherever it's like control V into. All right. Because 100%. because 
like once upon a time in Williamsburg, it was nothing but like empty lots, abandoned warehouses, the waterfront, and like a really weird Gaza Strip of like Bloods and Crips and Hasidic Jews. Uh, it, it was uh, this weird, barren, desolate, like hell blasted scape. Oh, totally. That, like his Hispanics, a lot of, you know, Dominicans, yeah. Puerto Ricans, like it was, you know, it was a dangerous hood. My, however, um, yeah, however, some ahead. of them lived in these gorgeous buildings that offended common sense as to why <laughs> they would even be there in the first place. Like, long story short, um, uh, I, I, uh, I meet someone through the Internet. Uh, and this was back when meeting people online were weird. It was just like, yo, bro, you're mad good at Counter-Strike. He's like, yo, what's up, G? Like, you know, you were talking about the Mets earlier. Are you from here? And I'm like, yeah, I'm from here. Where are you from? And he's like, yo, pull through in Williamsburg. We'll hang out. I'm like, I bet. And I go, and it kind of looked like, all right, a, a rap video is about to start in three, <laughs> two, one. It, it, it was not, it was not, oh, no, 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 no. So, um, and, and it turns out he gets grandfathered into this building that has, like, at the time, the highest ceilings I've ever seen in my life. These were <laughs> what I what, what learned were pre-war buildings. And, uh, and I always wondered to what degree that was part of the impetus to snatch up Brooklyn. But, you know, but my homie had a front row seat to seeing the neighborhood get, like, like gentrified, but, like, like, speed running gentrification. And, like, gentrification has hit every corner of New York City. Um, even the fucking Bronx, which is weird because even up on Fordham road, you'll see like a white couple and you're like, Oh God, are they lost? Like, what are they, what are they doing here? But, but no, uh, Dan, I, what the hell happened to your borough, man? Like, this isn't me treating like Brooklyn, like it's Shelbyville, but I kind of can. And you could totally well, treat Queens like some dirty palette swap of your here's borough. The thing. <laughs> Brooklyn is divided, right? So Williamsburg park slope, um, you know, I'm not going to fully dox, but I live in one of those gentrified areas and, um, yeah, there, you know, I mean, Park Slope has been gentrified since for forever. I mean, like 40, 50 years ago, Williamsburg more recently and, you know, lots of yuppies, lots of libs, what have you, uh, this, this process has played out, but Bay Ridge, Bensonhurst, South Brooklyn, Right. Green Park, they are um, they are holdouts. They are not going to be gentrified anytime soon. And the the interesting thing is, you know, uh, not to get too into the racial politics of this, but um, minority neighborhoods, you know, obviously they they are, you know, probably because of lower property values. That's part of it. They are just more say black gentrified. Just just yeah. say black and Latino. You're not running. Yeah, for black, black Come and on, man. No, no, no. <laughs> black and we are the new right. Black no, no, and Latino. Well, no, no, no. What are you saying? Minorities. <laughs> like, okay, it's like 20% Sri Lankan. There are three dudes from Nepal. Like, <laughs> no, no, like, no, fair, know, fair. Oh, fair. Guatemalans. Yeah. What are we talking here, Dan? Come on. <laughs> but okay, so Bay Ridge, Bensoners, like Brooklyn Italian, and like now, okay, there's there's uh, Asians, there's uh, Russians, there's Arabs down there, but these neighborhoods are not going to I, I don't see libs gentrifying Bay Ridge. I don't mm -hmm. see libs gentrifying Bensonhurst anytime soon. Despite the fact that we know some people kind of in the New York scene or whatever who live in South Brooklyn. But I, I wouldn't exactly say that uh, they're the uh, the vanguard of the gentrification force. Oh no, no. I think and and maybe it's because it has always been the first and eternal bone I have to pick. 
because, you know, it's impossible to discuss gentrification without discussing like class and like what it does to a neighborhood and specifically like the population of people it brings. And then before you know it, there are these like weird, um, there are these, there are these businesses that don't cater to the locals and the natives. And it's like, first of all, who the fuck is going there for organic dry cleaning? What the fuck is that all about? It's so jarring to just like walk by something occasionally that you've taken it for granted, even though it's been in your backyard for decades. And then one day there was a period in like the late 2000s, early 2010s where it's like, now it's a frozen yogurt place. I just, I didn't hmm. get the memo, you know, like I didn't get the memo for a lot of things like crown Heights used to be synonymous with like, what are you doing in crown Heights? And now there's this like weird Iraq war green zone. And then the hood. Oh yeah. 100%. Hmm. Like, I have an interesting story about this. Back in like 2009, I was, you know, my, I graduated college. I'm a native New Yorker, but a lot of my friends from college moved to New York anyways. And so I was at a party in Crown Heights, got really wasted. And I remember leaving with my then girlfriend and like, I was, you know, she was a lot more sober than I was. And I was like trying to get a cab or something. It was pre-Uber and uh, this, I don't even remember this, but my girlfriend then told me that this black woman came up to me and she said something like, white boys like you should not be this drunk in this neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, that was, that was good advice. That was very good advice. Is she wrong? And I, I didn't do it again. Is yeah. she wrong? I'm just saying. I'm just saying, is she wrong? Oh, no, she's not wrong. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, she was she was quite right. And I consider myself, you know, somewhat lucky that night that it didn't end poorly. It, it, you uh, you were uh, you you were given the mercy that could only come from like a, a DMV TSA worker. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Right, yeah. She she was my guardian angel. <laughs> That's funny. That, and I, I don't uh, mean my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't have as much to add to this because I'm not a native new yorker but i've spent plenty of time in brooklyn i remember after college um several of my friends moved to crown heights so there you go like for my, my <laughs> uh kind of later millennial perspective is like yeah that's yet another place in brooklyn that people move it's like after williamsburg was totally you know gentrified to the point of being prohibitively expensive now it's all these other places like i guess what it was it bushwick now is is pretty much oh yeah bushwick spot. is uh it, it's been a hot spot but insofar as it's sort of like, I don't want to, well, uh, on a technical level, it's like Williamsburg adjacent because mm -hmm. it's like, hey, here's Hood, here's Bodega, and then here are these beautiful stretches of like fucking, someone played Sim Town decades ago and really knew what they were doing, and then we're back in the Hood. Like, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. there are weird stretches of that, like, not only in Brooklyn, but like, in Queens, like, go to... Go to fucking Gun Hill Road and you'll see some of the most beautiful pre-war buildings like in the city. But at the same time, like it's the fucking Bronx. Like, yeah. you know, so um, uh, it's it's weird how like, all right. So uh, you're you're out in Los Angeles, right? Mm -hmm, I am. Yeah. All right. So uh, I imagine like uh, street art over there. If I had to make a guess, it, it tends to be synonymous with like a bunch of locals and tourists wanting to take a selfie in front of a mural or like so there's two and this is probably like in new york city too there's two types there's there's 
there's that type you're describing. There's a lot mm-hmm. of like, I mean, in, in LA, probably New York too, but in LA especially, it's like overdone where the, there's like that moment where Banksy got really popular and all of a sudden it's like, oh, this he's a street artist and this is street art and you can take a selfie with it for Instagram. Like, it's not graffiti. It's, you know, it's this classy <laughs> thing. There's lots of that in LA and a lot of it is kind of cringe. And I uh, like a lot of it is like very like, I mean, there's nothing wrong with like a feel good message. Obviously, don't no riding with despair sorry despair prohibited while riding that's a that's a feel-good message of its own so i'm not saying it's bad if it's a feel-good message but in la it's like i think the thing that comes to mind is like there's these angel wings and it's like you, you know you're an angel and you take a picture hey look mm-hmm. look i'm not trying to knock it too hard it is what it is but i just oh no yeah. oh no that that is just uh, uh an insert yourself to tell people you're a good person or a better person by virtue of it like, I don't know if anyone here remembers or like, remember that period where taking a picture of yourself with uh, the program to Hamilton meant you were a good person? Yeah. Like, oh, yes. Right. Definitely. So, so, so there's also this like uh, uh, the, the tourism, voyeurism, like, you know, atrocity tourism aspect to it of like, hey, like, first of all, let's talk about how vacation is like fucking, uh, uh, it is one of the most expensive hobbies some people can have. And some people mistake it for like a fucking personality. And I've been fortunate to leave the state and country a few times. But like there are people right now who are in L.A. getting pictures of them fucking wings. So it could be on the three by three grid through like a dinky lens and a gaudy filter so they can let other people know. Like it ends up becoming this like weird normie touchstone. Like, oh, yeah. Like, like, no, I've really been struck by the degree to which that kind of quote-unquote street art has become a normie touchstone i mean i mm. I, I feel like i kind of mm. remember and you, you know as a street artist i'm curious what you'll say about this i kind of remember when it happened i think i remember like around about 20, 2009 2010 now i was very young so maybe i was naive but i had this impression like banksy who's obviously one of the most famous people here like was kind of uh you know dissident like he was doing art that was supposed you know supposedly edgy and then like there was that documentary that came out about him too, like before too long it was like yeah this normie touchstone where everyone was all into banksy and had the screen prints and and you know it, it basically just lost its edge entirely over the course of the 2010s is that was that kind of oh. your impression of, of that kind oh of, yeah with the, with the guy you mentioned earlier to the obey guy and again not trying to necessarily diss these people it just no the degree no, to which no, no. something that was like ooh edgy and now it's like just such a cliche thing like a I, I like like urbanite starter pack type thing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. This is a very, very good point because. Um, all right. So this uh, I don't to the degree of which this has happened in art is beyond my understanding. But take like um, like graffiti in the late 70s and early 80s in New York City. So, uh, first of all, if you see the art world as like a commerce establishment, I guess it makes a little better sense because how come from this ocean of talent, some of some people whose works still adorn my city, how come these people were not selected? But it was like like uh, Keith Haring, Basquiat and like one other person. So then like these people are elevated to where like one, it, it dispels the notion that like, first of all, the ability to create art is inherent in all of us. But then things that start off with teeth and with bloodlust, like like what you said with Ban- with like a Bansky, like fucking breaking into Disney World and leaving murals and bouncing. 
and it was like critical of like you know the the treatment of the workers and things like that that was ballsy mm -hmm. that was yeah. like that was uh incredibly daring really and then it sort of builds this myth where like dude there's no way one person it's just fancy because then like it, because it, it almost felt like not like a supervillain, but like fucking Puck from Shakespeare. You wake up tomorrow, and then on the Gaza Strip, hey, Bansky left the mural criticizing both sides. Hey, like both sides feel bad today. Hey, you know? Yeah, and, uh, no, 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 totally. And he became like this. Yeah, they're, they're that annoying. Is that how you say it, Bansky? But anyway, uh, the, 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 I'm trying to, I'm trying to articulate something here. Banksy, I'm, I'm I don't, I don't like. I mean, or, but just like real Banksy, quickly. But... But, no, but 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 like not I, I I I never liked how there came a point where okay so during the Charlie Hebdo attacks, um, he uh he posted something on Twitter that was something to the effect of like like collectivize and you know like to 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 respond with art but he was addressing the public as if or, or whoever was in charge of this Twitter account was addressing the public as if they were separate and platonically coexisting with the public like. You're not like why the public which consumes his art and gives him the praise and pays his mortgage and does all these other things. And he's speaking not to them, but like of them. You know what I mean? Almost like, yeah. you know, how liberals used to talk to my fucking mom at like parent teacher. Oh, night. no, totally. How... It's, it's weird. Like, I'm not a conspiracy theorist on this. It's like he got kind of adopted by the powers that be in a weird way to yeah. like be a priestly like purveyor of morality and you know that i, I kind of could tell when that happened and it was weird yeah. like all of a sudden it's like what's supposed to be the most dissident thing street art you know making art where you're not supposed to etc got kind of co-opted in this really like transparently cynical way by powers that be to like yeah. hell you know hello fellow children or whatever like this and like but like spreading like a very basic kids? yeah very basic, oh, yeah. like kind of centrist, pro-establishment type of message. Well, not I exactly pro-establishment, no, but sort of like no, 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 no. You, you're... To the yeah. uh, the co-opting that went on, and as you talked about on Nick's pod, uh, Haynes of uh, Occupy Wall Street, exactly. And this this yeah. whole era of kind of like bubbling cross um cross political uh populist energy on the left right. and on the right and um you a know, lot it, of overlapping a a conspiracy yeah. theory but there's the sense that the kind of neoliberal elites swooped in and they're like we gotta put a stop to this oh and yeah so uh yeah the banksies became the janissaries of this neoliberal yep. order and, and and you know what yeah uh, to to to, to kind of uh, build on what matt mentioned earlier like you know, you look at you look at uh, you look at pre-internet. Well, well, before the internet was like, I suppose, mainstream and buried in the foundation. Like Shepard Fairey spammed America and like parts of the world with just like Andre the Giant's big old mug and the words <laughs> "Okay." Or sometimes Andre the Giant has a posse, like seven four, five hundred and something pounds. Like, and and it, it was it, it transcended being ominous. Because then it was almost entirely up to the response of the viewer, the person who was standing there at that lamppost, at that train station, at, in front of that wall. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And it, as if it was seemingly propagating itself, like outside the public scope and eye. And then decade and a half, maybe a little more later, he's the reason Obama has the hope poster. Like yeah. that's and so like 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 I'm just picturing like what Matt described, like 
this like thing that extracts like artistic like you know um uh strength and merit and aim and psychic residue and focus and they're just wringing it into a bucket and then they pour the bucket into a mold and it's like uh, and, uh, and you know um uh approved centrist message brought yeah. to you by <laughs> lobo homo and keeping gay oligarchy alive yeah i mean you can even look at obama himself that way like a little bit uh, you know in 2008 there was a lot of sort of leftist hope for and not, no, not a leftist true, yeah. so i'm not saying i wish that he was more leftist because again i'm not but at the same time yeah he he too was like obama's like this fresh new person who's going to bring change and hope and and you know totally did what what you just described happening poured into the mold of supporting uh gay oligarchy however you (laughs) put it yeah Uh, and and what makes it sad is that i remember like uh there was a a video where it was a montage of like uh people fainting when obama spoke because he really like people were under the impression that he was going to be president and then eight years of Bush would be undone on day one. And there would be like ca- people cartwheeling down the street and it was hands across America. And no, like, first of all, more people got deported under him than like anyone in so long. Uh, courtesy of drone warfare, there's a stretch of Middle East that is the most stressed out corner of the earth. Uh, because like, hey, what's that? Oh, God, it's a drone. Um, oh. <laughs> He, he and then no one ever talks about how on his very last day in office, he pardoned dozens of people who were serving felony sentences for trafficking cocaine. This guy, like I, I he was the the this like, you know what? You know what, Matt? Uh, I'm glad you bring this up because like, first of all, part of one of the worst things about the last 15 years in this country is having a good memory, like living in America. If you have a good memory, you'll be haunted by shit. And I remember when like, um. Obama was elected president, and then he went on a Middle East apology tour. Uh, uh, yeah, you remember yeah. that? All right, For and sure. then that was the beginning of my journey of slowly turning into my dad. Because I remember the first thing I thought of was like, "No, you fool! That's just gonna make us weak." And like, don't you understand? And then like, I, one week later, like you know, I'm hanging out with Papa Haynes, and he's just like looking at the newspaper, and he's like. Oh, he makes us look like wimps. Look at him, and and I'm like, it's happening. Like, no, yeah. he was he was such ay ay ay. But 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 you do you you do bring up an excellent point because he was touted as this young, refreshing breath of mountain air, and he's gonna get things done. And it's like you don't believe in God? That's cool because he's cool and you're cool. And if you vote for him, you're cool too. Yeah. And it was this amazing, slick, fucking downhill like fucking train on fire with greased wheels that just like pummeled the American public into like rallying around this thing. And uh, Dan, I don't know if you saw this in your neck of the woods, but like elderly people, especially immigrant elderly people were like, Obama's the antichrist. There, there was oh, like, yeah, a small yeah. contingency of like elderly Greek people who were convinced he was the antichrist. <laughs> well, I, I have some uh, older uh, white uh, friends and my parents who, uh, who were also convinced of that. <laughs> not, not immigrants, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, literally, I remember some guy was telling me, you can tell by the color of his lips that, and I'm like, well, I'm pretty based, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to have a piece out. But, but, uh, one thing, uh, uh, one thing I want to harass you real quickly about Matt is that, like, so, so you spent time in New York City, so obviously you see how, compared to other cities, 
like in New York, everyone's living on top of each other. The city is kind of like a gigantic building that's falling in slow motion. And when it hits the floor on impact, it starts to rebuild itself. And it's just like lurching towards the horizon. Yeah. Right? So uh, L.A., on the other hand, is like, hey, we're going to be stuck on the 101 for an hour and a half. If there's right. rolling papers right. in the glove compartment, you know, um, it, it, it's easy to take for granted that like um, like your city is a is a cultural touchstone and, of course, has like history, lurid history in context and lore, but history and in, in, in context nonetheless. I'm curious, like, were you born and raised in L.A.? Definitely uh, not. Yeah, go on. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. so, OK, I'm curious because like you got like a, and I mean this sincerely without a hint of irony. I mean, like you got a big old Al Bundy nose. So that means you're not a wasp. That means you don't have that little teeny tiny button upturned nose where like you've seen like, you know, butlers fight to the death in a sawdust pit. Like you've got like, you know, uh, 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 white, uh, you got like white middle America honky nose like Al Bundy. So like, where are you from? Like, the Midwest? <laughs> Uh, no, but yes and no. I'm from Syracuse, New York. So mm. I'm from the 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 gates of the Midwest, I would say. <laughs> uh, contrary to, you know, and a lot of people look at you weird when you say that because they don't think of New York State as containing that. But like, uh, as anyone who's kind of been up and we, Dan and I have talked about this, you know, Dan has, well, You've been you've been spent some time in Watertown, or I don't. You, you said yeah, Watertown. yeah, Watertown. Yeah, yeah. I have relatives. Which is Watertown. The same general. I think it's the same area code as Syracuse, despite being a couple hours away. But anyway, um, yeah, I'm I'm from Syracuse, uh, and originally from Syracuse, the first like twelve years of my life. Mm. Um, but not not no no family in California. I I moved out here on my on my own. Um, Matt had a dream. Yeah. yeah, the California dream. Yeah, and I've kind of settled down out here. Is but, there? Uh, yeah. uh, so, so, um, so obviously, like the the like L.A. is more of a sprawl mm -hmm. than like a condensed graph paper grid, like you know Manhattan. However, oh yeah, uh, you know, there's more to L.A. than just fucking like Sunset Boulevard. And the way that like you know, Dan, you could attest to this, where like when some people think of New York City, they just think of like the Manhattan skyline and Carrie's apartment from Sex in the City. Even though there's also like Brooklyn, Queens, the mm -hmm. Bronx, and Staten Island, and kind of sort of Yonkers and Nassau County and parts of Long Island. So, like, Matt, uh, um, uh, LA is sort of like several fucking municipalities and domains <laughs> all tied together yeah, at once. Absolutely. Yeah. In this, in this weird, somewhere between the present and a post apocalyptic dystopian future where people made the best of it. Mm -hmm. uh, because, like, first of all, like, if you don't drive, uh, you will end up in the Skid Row Thunderdome, right? Yeah, you you need to drive out here. There's no no doubt about that. I mean, yeah, <laughs> like it's just not a traversable city without drive. Now that being said, we do have public transportation that's a little bit better than people say, but no, but for the most part, no one really uses it. Um, mm. You know, people who haven't spent a lot of time in L.A. or New York. I don't know how much this makes sense, but you just kind of have to be here to realize just how necessary it is to drive here and how unnecessary it is to drive in New York. I mean, it's absolutely it's, it's a substantial difference just in the way things are are laid out. Um, oh, yeah. well, it's also just a status thing, right? Like if you take the bus in L.A., it's kind of like it's kind of like going to a restaurant and whipping out a Discover card. And it's like, oh, yeah, you're you're poor. You're fucked. Yeah. So like. And I just, I, I've never, I've never done it car. myself. Yeah, you need a car. <laughs> uh, but I, I have the impression, I don't know if this is true, but I have the impression it would take a lot longer 
to get anywhere via public transpo than it does in it, it, New York. It's just very streamlined, and you can. Oh yeah. It. You know, there's yeah, gonna no, be I, a uh, yeah. There's gonna be a station at the end of the block. I yeah. went to L.A. to visit a friend there. I didn't rent a car. I was staying in Santa Monica. My friend was, I think, in some somewhere in Hollywood. And so just like I was on the bus, like visiting him, it took forever, yeah, forever no, to get there. It was man. just it was just a disaster. Yeah. So so that's perhaps the, the biggest difference. And uh, I don't know, you kind of just have to visit both cities to feel just how fundamentally different they are. I mean, there's some similar sort of industry stuff in both places and a certain, you know, by cliche, not by cliche, you know, by like one one imagines the same kind of coastal elite in both cities, but man, it's a it's a different it's a different vibe. And uh, I feel like if you're here long, if you're in LA long enough, it changes you. If you're in New York long enough, it changes you. I think I, I'm going on five years here in LA, and I think ah. I've become Calif- California California eyesed, uh, not politically <laughs> per se, but in terms of many other small details of of my life and my tensions and preferences i think it's it's had an effect and i don't think it's a negative effect i think the the, you know and you see some people on quote unquote our side talking about this like like bap even where it's like yeah you can sit you can shit on california politically all day but like there's certain like there is a good quality of life out here um Mm. yeah the fucking municipal golf courts out there are fucking top notch and like far (laughs) none they're that they're um no, like uh, parts of parts of, well, in my opinion, like uh, Southern California is kind of like grain alcohol or wasabi. It's great in small doses. Um, be, and we take for granted that like when people compare New York and L.A., I think a stark fundamental difference people lose sight of is that like in L.A., other than like a stretch of unbearable heat during the summer, uh, it's really nice almost all day. And it rains, what, five minutes at a time like yeah. out there? <laughs> Right. Uh, however, like in New York, it's all concrete and there's nothing to retain the heat or the cold. So you end up like, you know, and I'm not saying this to blow anyone's spot. Like I'm half Greek. Greeks are not a dry people. But at the fucking expat reading, I show up there and it's like, God, it's fucking out outside. And then we go inside. Yeah. And like, even though there's air conditioning in, uh, in, in, in the dude's place and it was like, God, it's fucking hot in here. Oh, there's yeah. a guy with like a sweat stains in the back of his shirt. And I'm like, all right. Like uh, he, he has it worse than I do. I suddenly don't feel bad looking like i'm sweating fucking feta cheese over here um but but, but uh, no yeah no it's uh it's a real thing the humidity dude that's what gets you i was on the east coast um a few weeks ago and uh i'm so used to the dry heat out here in california that i haven't yep. been uncomfortably hot like a single time yet this summer here in la and then like <laughs> but when i was back on the east coast it was probably about 10 degrees cooler but the humidity just made me not to be like weird or TMI, but like it made me like just sweat in areas that I I only sweat when I'm on the east coast. I don't know, and like it just I hold this uncomfortable feeling that I remember from growing up. Um, but yeah, it's to me, yeah, to me, LA is more comfortable even even with regard to the heat in the summer. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, 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 welcome to the. I mean, the the, the eastern seaboard. Uh, is the only place uh, outside of the swamp where people get swamp bass. Yeah. Believe you oh, me. Oh, my God. That's, grew, that is the technical swamp term. Bass. Swamp yeah, bass. <laughs> uh, but, but no, uh, 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 one thing that I've always found fascinating, though, is how, like, all right, like, in L.A., kind of like in New York, all right, like, the hot girl of every town and small city goes to either or. 
Um, although I wonder how much spillover there is that ends up in Chicago. But anyways, or, or like or like Austin, so, so, Texas, and all these yeah, other random well, Austin now. these yeah. days. Yeah. yeah, right, right. So so uh, so at the same time though, uh, like geographically speaking, like New York State is a vast state, and the city is only like one thirtieth of the state. Mm-hmm. But then you look at California; it's like three fucking states put together. Yeah. All right. It is this gigantic like nation within a nation with its own like laws and customs and cultures california and history. yeah yeah and and uh we we often take for granted that like there's a lot of desert out there too oh yeah like you 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 leave a major city in california and you start seeing people wearing like trucker hats unironically in like a 10 minute drive you know yeah uh it's uh like have you I know this. It's like, you know, hey, you left fucking Syracuse and now you're in Los Angeles. You miss anything from Syracuse? Like, but is there anything from New York you miss? Is there anything from from the East Coast? you miss? Oh, yeah. Um, so initially, and this is going to sound ironic. Initially, the thing that I missed the most might have been the rain. I feel like that has subsided. I'm no longer as emotionally attached to rain, but growing up with rainstorms every few days in the summer. You get used to it and you kind of miss it. I don't think about that so much anymore, but I really miss that my first year. Uh, generally speaking, uh, you know, I miss the same thing that I was just describing as uh, as like good, like that I miss and don't miss, you know, the changing yeah. of the weather. Um, I don't miss that humidity I was talking about at all, but I do miss having more defined seasons. So there's a, and, and, and the way, and not just for the sake of, oh, the, the weather, you know, not, not just for the sake of novelty of the weather, but I, I think it affects in a weird way, your sense of the passage of time. Mm-hmm. And initially it kind of freaked me out in LA. Like it's like the same day over and over and over. It's like, um, Groundhog Day, or, fucking, day. <laughs> yeah. or, or like the Truman Show, even just like they're, they're, a lot of people have this experience in LA. And they tie it in in their mind a little bit like the Hollywood culture, which may be, play a part of it too. But I really do think it has to do with the weather where it's like, oh, it kind of everything feels a little fake here. You know what I mean? I don't mean that in some kind of snobbish East Coast uh, way like, oh, the people are fake. But not not really. I, I don't really buy into that. It's just something about the weather and something about the culture feels a little more like New York is like this is a cliche, but I think it's true. You know, New York is like gritty and real and you're kind of cheek to jowl with the whole population when you're on public transit. So LA is a lot more kind of soft and cocooned. In some ways, that's a good thing. Like it's a good place. You can really focus on your own shit or something. Like, I don't know. The things that are that about LA that are are different, you know, you could, there's a positive and a negative side of them. Sometimes I miss aspects of these coasts, but I've kind of gotten more used to that is kind of what I was trying to say about being Californianized. Like I, I'm now kind of used to just having nice weather every day and just like living in a, a little bit more of a bubble, so to speak. But that's oh, yeah. that's the big thing. I, I mean, I, I mean, it's uh, I, I'm curious because uh, like I'm I'm born and raised here. And like, first of all, like just because you get used to something doesn't mean it's healthy. All right. Look at like fucking crackheads and vegetarians. All right. <laughs> like, whenever I leave the city. Whenever, uh, if, if I'm lucky and I get to leave the country, the first two or three days, it's a nightmare because unless I have traffic in the window outside closest to where my head is, where I'm sleeping, I, I have trouble falling asleep yeah. unless there's noise. All right. Yeah. Second yeah, of all, there's there's this weird inherent desire to just fucking show up bro, and be like, what do you mean you ain't got no fucking calzones here? Like, <laughs> then you take for granted. And I think the reason New York pizza is as good as it is. The Italian is a lot in the, better. In the water. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. There's something in the water that is conducive to tomato sauce based anything. So like, I was of actually course, was the guinea go on, but I was going to say something about that next, but continue. Yeah. The, 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 <laughs> that's, that's one of the reasons why the Guinea Dago Wops here have a monopoly over cuisine with the ever so delicious, like some of the best tap water in America. Like in, if memory serves me correctly, there are eateries that have New York tap water delivered to them by truck because they have to make the dough that way to make the pasta oh, yeah. that way to make oh, the yeah. sauce that That's way. Absolutely. So, uh, what so, I was going to say that I missed from Syracuse specifically, uh, or so I was just back in Syracuse, not to not to tell listeners all of my comings and goings. I was just briefly back in Syracuse three weeks ago for the first time in five years, and there's this tiny bakery uh in in the town like the sub little hamlet that i was born in um italian bakery um Mm -hmm. and oh my god is it good and you can't find anything like it in la you probably can in new york (laughs) but yeah Yeah, basically anything italian anything and whether it's the tap water because i don't know syracuse is different than new york city in terms of tap water but just just the recipes or whatever was handed out also i got like six donuts and a fucking not that i encourage listeners to eat that way but you know when you're back in your hometown I got like a, like a bunch of donuts and like a piece of pizza for like $4. Like it's also like cheap as hell. Sweet. Uh, oh yeah. So what, yeah. what is the issue with burritos here though? Because in New York, they're, uh, you know, famously not as good as in LA. Oh, so yeah. I think in LA, Dan and I have had, uh, Dan and I have had people pull knives, uh, throw chairs at us. Uh, fucking threatened to slash our tires. One dude, all right, so like Dan was talking about burritos, and then a guy was like, are you from here? And he was like, yeah, I'm from here. And he was like, yeah, well, if I ever see you in LA, you better have someone else start your car. This whole burrito taco nonsense, yeah. West Coast, East Coast shit, what's going on out there, Matt? Like, Wait, you, what do you, you mean? Because um, I was going to say that I think, and my friend pointed this out, I think he was right, the, the Mexican food is better in LA, I think. Mm. And but my question is why, right? Because we got a lot of Mexicans here in New York. Well, we have a decent number of Italians <laughs> in LA. You know, we have a decent number, and it's That's not good. True. I think it's something with proximity or the type of population. I yeah. think I, I don't. I don't exactly. Uh, I think it's kind of funny how in New York City, if I were like, look at those bunch of Mexicans over there, people would freak out. But in L.A., every hour on the hour, someone's like, look at those bunch of Mexicans over there. Um, Uh, I find it fascinating how the Latino breakup. I'm sure there's like two Puerto Ricans and a Cuban guy somewhere in L.A. But like, you know, because proximity to Mexico, when it's Latino synonymous with not pretty Mexican, but like but like Chicano, because we could Uh agree that like. The Mexicans in New York City look different than the Mexicans in L.A., yeah, yeah. right? Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, I've always wondered if it's like because they have like a, an established dominant foothold in culture and demographics I in think L.A. for so, so long. Yeah, ah, I think. Okay. I, th- I don't exactly know what that would translate to in terms of is it recipes or what. I think it's and I think it's the same with Italians. There's a right, piece of right. Italians in L.A., but it's not the same kind of ethnos. I don't know. Uh, mm. not, to, not to get too like. That makes like, that's an interesting yeah, idea. It that does. The Italian yeah. community in New York has cemented itself into a sort of institution, and yes. that in Mexico, not Mexico, California, ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> in California, Mexicans have done the same thing. Let's and put they've it this yet way, to do yeah. that in New York. I I, I don't think you know, you know right after right after um, Ellis Island is one thing. But I think nowadays, if you're an Italian in New York, you don't feel like an outsider. And I, I think that's been the case for decades. 
Yeah. Uh, where and I think if you're a Mexican in LA, I don't think you feel like an outsider. But conversely, well, not that you feel like an outsider as an Italian in LA, but I think if you're an Italian in LA, you kind of feel like another white person. And I think if you're a Mexican in NYC, you probably feel like one of many minorities. But in LA, it's it's different. It's like mm. I don't, I'm not Mexican, so I can't speak to it. But I, I think that you know, I mean, it's just really significant, definitely significant Latino population, but specifically Mexican. I, it's just. It's a diff- yeah, different ethnos, different right. state of mind. Right. And I do think it makes, uh, for I don't know how it ends up affecting food, but it seems to. So there you go. I uh, think uh, we're I'm... breaking new sociological ground here. This is like, <laughs> yeah. we need to start a course on races. <laughs> no, but <laughs> I, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm really, I'm really glad, uh, Matt, that you bought up the little Italian bakery because a weird running theme and like, Dan, you can attest to this. A weird running theme in parts of like New York City and like, you know, by extension, New York is how like there's there's always like a pizzeria or yeah. uh, an Italian bakery. And it and be, by virtue of being growing up near it, that ends up becoming your your measurement, your benchmark for all other like Italian cookies, for all other Sicilian corner slices, for all of you know what I mean? So yeah. like, like, for example, um, there's a. There's a Sicilian bakery here in Astoria called Lagulis. All right. And uh, it is uh, not to flex or brag on anybody, but like I've ruined people's Italian bakery experience by bringing butter cookies from this bakery to like a party. And they're like, hey, what was that bakery you got those butter cookies from? Or like that, like red velvet cheesecake or like those cannolis. And I was like, oh, Lagulis. And they're like, yeah, everything I've had from a bakery ever since kind of sucks compared to that. So like, uh, next time uh, I, I hold something, pull through with some of those. Okay, and I'm like, all right, hallway scared with a copy of Cars and Women magazine. Back at you, you know. <laughs> um, but but uh, but but Matt, this Italian bakery, like like uh, um, uh, did it have like the the black and white cookies? Absolutely, have... that's one of the things I got. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's uh, headlight donut. Maybe that's more specific. The other thing I wanted to say about, and this ties in a little bit what you were saying about like the, you know, that everyone has their small pizzeria and bakery and it's like this yardstick. Mm-hmm. These places don't change. Like this place, this bakery that I went to in Syracuse tasted and had the exact same selection of stuff that it did when I was like three years old in the 90s. Um, tasted exactly the same, which is somewhat striking to me. Like just, the, it's I don't know, it's the recipe. It never changes. It's, it's yeah, amazingly it's consistent Lindy. thing. And I'm sure it's gone through changes of ownership. Well, not necessarily, you know, and it's been passed out. You know, I can't imagine whoever the older Italians that were running it in the 90s, you know, are still running it now. But, but yeah, they, they, they stay true. You know, these aren't places that are, like, trying new shit, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, not, to, not to turn this into the once upon a time I did this power hour, but when I got out of high school, um, after working and stocking shelves at a supermarket that doesn't exist anymore, at least in my neck of the woods, Western Beef, I started working at a pizzeria. And I worked at a pizzeria that also did catering, and I worked there for four and a half years. And one of the secrets to the sauce is that, like, the boss never just washed out the pan. Like, the big gigantic pot that he made all the tomato sauce in, even when it ran out, he would just like, all right, we got to make a new batch of sauce. And every batch had remnants of the previous batch. Mm, So there was this, like, there was this, like, eternal sauce that always had to be stirred. And even on my first day, he, like the only the only three rules were this. It was like, one, if you're going to be late, you have to let me know beforehand. I don't care if you're 11 hours late. 
let me know you're going to be late. Number two, if I ever see the sauce stick, I'll kill you. And if I ever walk by the, the, the sink and it's not empty, I'll kill you even faster. And everyone laughed. And in my head, I'm like, that's not funny. And uh, <laughs> yeah, but, but I learned a lot about myself and about how to cook. So, uh, so no, like, and it's a weird thing because you bring this up to some people and they're like, ew, that's weird. Even though like, you know, it's not that that's, that's part of the reason, you know, that pizzeria had sauce, not just tomato sauce, but even pizza sauce that tasted different from like oh, every yeah. other, like, you know what I mean? Every 1,463 other pizzerias, you know, in New York City, you know, and Absolutely. out of those 1,400, like what have you, like 67 of them do catering, we're still the best. Anyways, yeah. like, right. Absolutely. Not to uh, bring us uh, off track here, but this is a question that I wanted to put to you, uh, Haynes. What is the most based borough in New York City? And oh. there's definitely this is going to uh, provoke uh, uh, discussion and debate, I suspect. All right. Well, um, I am I am tempted to immediately say Queens only because just on a cultural landscape, um, my soil has given us Christopher Walken, the Ramones, Run DMC, Anthrax. Anthrax is really important because half yeah. of Anthrax went on to make Stormtroopers of Death. Um, if you awesome. count, if you count fictional, oh, uh, John Favreau, Lucy Liu, which mm -hmm. I, Lucy Liu is kind of underwhelming in this category. No offense, Mrs. Liu, if you've ever listened to this. And if you do buy a shirt, leave something in the notes. So I know it's you and I'll curb stomp what can fit from, from dirty ass Queens to your mansion in LA. She's from Queens. All right. Mm -hmm. you, um, I want to say Martin Scorsese is from Queens, but I could be wrong. What Don't about, quote Tr me on Trump that. is from Queens. Trump right? is from yep. Queens. He's yeah. a yes. native son. From from uh, uh from Jamaica State, he is. Uh, so is Fifty Cent and Nas. Right, right. Uh, so, Nicki Minaj. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. And and if you want to count works of fiction, Archie Bunker and Spider Man. That's a tough act yeah, to follow, yeah. huh? So so I'm tempted to immediately go. Oh, and the New York Mets. Uh, the the uh, real, quick little fun fact. You know how you could watch Goodfellas, and even if you have zero interest in organized crime. You could appreciate it on a technical level because it's such a well yeah, yeah. put together film. There's a mm -hmm. book called And the Bad Guys Won. And it's about the 1986 Mets who win the World Series. And it's like it's you could give two fucks less about baseball or, or just about the Mets or New York City. And it is one of the most compelling books I've ever read in years. Yeah, like my, to my cousin told me about this book. It's because the, the 80s Mets were notoriously coked out, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, there was um, there's one passage where uh, the where it was like, it was like, you know, part of the season for Keith Hernandez was like he got busted for coke. So then in the morning, he would have to do like a, a speech at school to tell kids not to do coke. And then before the game, he was doing coke and then smoking cigarettes and doing the crossword puzzle in the on the newspaper of whatever town he was on, like on the road to go up against. And then they'd win a game. And then he'd hang out with the Mets and then he'd do more coke. And then like he'd stagger into work the next day and be like, ah, PS 184. All right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, kids, don't do coke. And if he's got a light and if he's got a light, come on, don't be shy. Ah, fucking head hurts. That was and and he was the captain of these scumbags. These uh, the, 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 the biggest crumb bums on earth ever put together with like uniforms and bats. Um, 
they were like the unofficial gang from the Warriors that were a few years. Like, <laughs> it was such a good book. You should really check it out, dude. Oh um, yeah, no, I I should. Uh, I, I I think it gets into like if we're gonna talk about what the most based borough is, what do we mean by based? And I think mm. based in some sense means um, not putting on affectations, rooted, rooted to the ground rooted to like you know your true true human nature shall we say and so it's not just about like are you right wing though you are but like it's about like you know are you um are you authentic in some sense i think based has that connotation and so like if we're gonna say like what's the most right wing borough uh, obviously it's staten island right uh i I will say if, if this makes sense the most uh, the, the Bronx is quite red pilled, but that's because like they just can't afford identity politics and that shit doesn't fly. Yeah. You don't <laughs> see like like okay, Matt, I don't know if it's like this in LA, but here in New York City, you know you're in a nice neighborhood when you start seeing BLM like signs on the windows and on the walls. Oh, yeah, so it's a you, little bit like that here too. Yeah, yeah. like you know, yeah. like in this house we believe in science, and it's like, yeah, it must be a good school district too. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. So um you don't see a lot of that in the Bronx. Uh, no, no. It, 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 it's funny to see that in like across the street from like uh, Thompson Square Park or Washington Square Park, you'll see those flags on fire escapes. And these are like jerk offs paying like what? Three thousand, four thousand like a, a month to live there. Come on. But they could afford it. And and hey, uh, 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 speaking of based Staten Island, I don't know if it's like this uh, in your neck of the woods. Matt, but like I've always imagined Staten Island was like a section of the city. Every city has a section where if you go there, the locals are like, what the fuck are you doing here? Because yeah. Staten Island is a little out of the way. It does has its own mm-hmm. lore and connection to the city. But like it is like, first of all, you got to think a fucking ferry to get there. All right. And, and second of all, it is this really weird, like, I don't know if there's something in the water, but like it breeds a particular unique, like it's not the sticks. It's like this weird, like third distant cousin who looks a little off. That's Staten Island. So Staten Island, the way I conceive of it is kind of like they took the Brooklyn Italians and they kind of let them uh, kind of, uh, you know, isolated them and it's like enhanced the Italianness of them. So it's just like, very powerful Guido energy yeah. on Staten Island. <laughs> it's the only and it's the only borough of New York I've never been to. It's mm, like like, like, like taking the ferry. Totally <laughs> yeah. like if you if you were to like take them to Italy and like I my high school had a lot of Brooklyn Italians. I you know grew up in Bay Ridge. And um yeah like if you were to take the the Staten Island Italian Italy because we had in my high school transfer students from Italy it's just like two different, you know, species. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> they're just oh, not yeah. the same at all. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. I mean, it's it's um, it is funny because like even among Greeks, it's funny how like the Greeks who have settled in, and even like imagine a Greek who like settled in and he has like a family and kids, but he still has an accent, and then he walks by someone like and he hears like a fresh off the boat accent, and he's like, look at this fucking immigrant over here. I wonder where he's from. <laughs> like. No, it's it's they're two different like breeds of animal. And I don't mean that in a pejorative way, but like, uh, isn't there a fucking Sopranos episode arc where like, oh, yeah, you know, t- Tony and the fellas go to Italy and they're oh, so disconnected so and yeah. out of touch they are with quote unquote 
the motherland you know yeah, yeah. yeah I especially imagine it's like holly that. tony serpico rest in peace yeah that's the, yeah uh, <laughs> yeah that was very one of the funniest perhaps sopranos arcs yeah yeah i imagine it's like that to varying degree with like a lot of i mean because i know it's like that for greeks and of course like you know no matter how good my spanish is I always because first of all, I look like I sell souvlaki story apart. Right? <laughs> like so, so whenever I speak Spanish, my whole life it's always like, oh, mira que lindo, adonde aprende español? Like, wow, how nice! Like, where did you learn Spanish? And it's always like, uh, my mom. Like, I don't <laughs> like, I don't know, because I don't look like them, which is weird. Because like, first of all, like, there's no Latino identity. That is a meme invented by academia and uh, media conglomerates in Miami. Uh, because in Latin America, there are lines very hardly drawn like in the sand with like color and race. You know, Latino identity is kind of like a weird meme because it undermines the fact that like, dude, like fucking watch Telemundo. You'll see, which is not indicative of the population, but you'll see some motherfucker who looks like the brawny paper towel guy. And he's like, Buenas noches. Estamos hablando con Matt y Dan. And eso, <laughs> and eso programa de radio aquí en el internet. And I look like the brawny paper towel guy, you know? Uh, and of course, the weather woman is always like a 17 out of 10. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and you could sometimes yeah. find that in Jackson Heights, not going to lie. Um, but like, it's not indicative of the rest of the, of the population. So like, uh, like even a friend of mine, all right? She's from El Salvador. And even though she grew up speaking Spanish and is like knows the culture like the back of her hand, when she visits family back in El Salvador, like she'll never truly fit in, even if she moves back. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. It, 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 to varying degrees, I'd like to think every um, come on, like imagine imagine every fucking masshole uh, going to the mother country of Ireland and they're getting heckled by real Irish people. <laughs> like, yeah, you got a bunch of jerk offs who sound like they're extras from The Departed. Like, well, like the fuck else about Ireland that happens is like when you are an ethnicity and I mean, you see this with the Massels, you see this with the Guidos, they kind of like <laughs> they hype it up. They hype up their uh, ethnic identity. They yeah. kind of, they, they, you know, jack up the testosterone and um, yeah, but you, you take like, you know, a Brooklyn Guido to Italy and they're just like, who is this clown or you take a mass hole to Ireland and they're just like, like it, it's like this kind of, you know, I, I, I mean, I like, I like Brooklyn Italians. I, I, I don't know if I like mass holes, but uh, <laughs> I, I just, uh, I, I just, I, I, I love the notion of like some, some Guinea in a tracksuit just walking down this like beaten up old country road and like a small Italian town, like three hours West of Naples in the countryside. Like a town yeah, of 300, yeah. he just walking down the road. And then there's like like a farmer and his daughter and he passes by someone. He's like, bro, she's fucking hot. Can you put in a good word for me? <laughs> bro, she make good sauce? Hey, yo. And he's like trying to wave her down. No, just two complete different creatures, man. Yo, bro, where's the gym? <laughs> From the flating over here. Push-ups ain't. Come on, man. You know what it's like. Look at you. Look at these arms. <laughs> guy doesn't speak a word of English. He's just like smiling and nodding. So what what has it been like in Astoria? You grew up there and like Astoria, unlike maybe Woodside, unlike Elmhurst or Jackson Heights to a certain extent, it uh, Astoria has gentrified. 
So yeah. uh, what's what's that been like? Oh, well, you know, um, it, it's it's been a little surreal. At first, it was demoralizing because of the immediate shift that I think is not only happening in my city, but, you know, it always struck me as odd how gentrification hit multiple cities at the same time. And then when a decade passed, suddenly there's like a, a, a housing exodus because of like price. Because it's not like, 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 Matt, I imagine Los Angeles is not a cheap place to live in and neither is like New York City. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and it's like, you know, yet, you know, that is tied to discussions about class no one ever really like wants to have, which I would argue is the one true privilege. Like wealth can buy you privilege. Mm -hmm. So, so um, seeing, seeing, it was weird to see like things that I saw growing up that predated me are like that's a Starbucks now. And like that, yeah. that was tough to watch. Uh, it's like, like, all right. Once, once there was like a Starbucks in Manhattan, that was like a weird indicator of like, you know, like, Hey, like uh, the, the green zone is built. Come do business here. Things are for sale, you know? So uh, to see that in Astoria thus led to this change that was happening and unfolding much faster in a place like Williamsburg than yeah, in a place yeah. like Astoria. Um, now, granted, there are like stretches of Brooklyn and Queens that are like really out the way where like the further you are from public transportation, the less likely you'll get gentrified because you go to like Cypress Hills in Brooklyn. I oh, think yeah. it's relatively yeah. untouched, right? Oh, yeah. No, but it's but it's like out of the way, you know? Yeah. So so like like I'll take um, Glendale, which is right next door to Ridgewood, which is funny because Ridgewood got gentrified, even though growing up Ridgewood was, you know, the wrong side of the tracks. If you grew up in Glendale, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, yeah. so Ridgewood got gentrified and Glendale, instead of being predominantly German, is now like um, Italians, Slavs, I think. Um Polish, but no, 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 no. So, 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 anyways, um, uh, like, like, uh, just real quickly before I forget, um, the to grow up and see my neighborhood change, that was sort of the impetus for putting up like daddy's money stickers. That's where it all starts, like all the flyers, all the shirts. Hmm. Uh, daddy's money was the first logo and design that was like, yeah, yeah. all right, this is all of the culminated, um, like dejection and not just like the changes in my neighborhood because no matter how first of all like imagine talking about gentrification but you don't know the word yet and you just sound like some crazy person talking about your neighborhood mutating in real life mm -hmm. and yeah, then yeah. you try to talk to other people about it and it's like when you're a kid and you don't know the word hypocrite but you already know what it means you know yeah. like yeah right so, yeah so, yeah so then, then you finally have a word for it. Otherwise, you're just you're no different than a guy in an abandoned gas station walking in a circle eight, going like, "Yeah, but you know, economic development minus community development equals the thing that's happening in my neighborhood." And, oh, the bus is here. I got to go to work. Like, there's right. no there's no meaningful way to talk about it. And um, um, the daddy's money logos and designs were like, I had an axe to to fucking grind. I still do. And like, that's where it all starts. So I like uh, this idea of your art being a kind of outgrowth of uh, populist anger at gentrification and uh, kind of like that's it's one thing that I was at the beginning trying to put my finger on about 718 TV. It um, it has, you know, it's right coded 
but that's only because anything that is populist these days is right coded and your 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 shirts mm. your art it has this kind it has this populist message and correct oh, yeah. me tell me if i'm speaking uh out of my no. ass here no 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 i mean it was never explicitly meant to be populist but i suppose like form follows function right so yeah. like take take the zine for example it, i mean it's populist in so far as that like the fact that hell I, not to sound callous but like every issue is available online but that doesn't stop people going shut up and take my money and subscribing and like yeah, yeah. and at the same time like in spite of this digital landscape and day and age we find ourselves in there's a premium on the physical you know, which is Absolutely. one reason why, like, magazines have been going through this. Um, I, I kind of want to say, like, zine culture has had this really weird, like, unexpected renaissance. Because I don't want to call it, like, a rebirth. But, like, you know, it, it's... It, and, and with varying degrees of quality. Because, like, you look at Man's World, and that looks like something you see on, like, a coffee table. Or something you expect in like the lobby of like a it's, it's a literally office. on my coffee table, yeah. right? <laughs> you know? uh, and then you got something like Cars and Women magazine that you see tucked into every box of every free newspaper, <laughs> like from Fifty Seventh Street to the Brooklyn Bridge. <laughs> Cars and Women also on my coffee table. I will tell you that. <laughs> uh, but but um, I mean, but yeah, to answer no, your this, question, oh, like, on. like, yeah. like, I, I think, again, man, like. The only real explicit political thing I've ever and the will it's a hill I'm gonna die on is like talking about class because it is the one true privilege because like it, like for all the talk of and I could circle this back to like you know you you bought up Occupy Wall Street if I could just touch on that real quick yeah yeah definitely. it was kind of sad to see how you had all these like concurrent interests and groups which like first of all people like collectivized like now we're past stage one thinking. But now that we're here, there were some people just content to do the drum circles and look bad on the news and give them footage that will later be edited to make them look even dumber. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, but it was wild because on day one, they had to hire an accountant for all the donations pouring in. I have some books I, I took from the people's library out of spite because uh, after the first couple of weeks uh, and I only saw this shit because like, the, the, you know, the U.S. media has two modes, blackout and circus. OK. So, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, I'm watching, like, uh, I think it was RT. And not that I'm a proponent of RT, but I had, like, cable back then, you know? So I'm just yeah. like, you know, oh, okay, Simpsons reruns is on fucking commercial break. Ah, up, 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 up. And then it's, like, Occupy Wall Street footage. And a guy had a sign in the background that said, why are you watching this at home? And I'm like, that's a damn good question. So I went uh, later that weekend, and I was quite taken aback because what that the impression that was left on me is, wow, common goals outweigh common interests. Look at all these different populations and all these different groups with various multifaceted end goals of what they want, but they're all eye to eye on the table of like, there's a 99%, there's a 1%. There's like something wrong with this picture. That's basically all, their final one issue voter grievance was. So then uh, the meetings uh, turned into this cacophony of animal sounds when the progressive stack was introduced. And then there was the order with which people could speak in. And even if you were willing to overlook that, which like on the surface, it's like, okay, one can argue that these marginalized groups that have not had a voice in an buzzword catchphrase group, the adjective noun. Okay. 
okay, on a surface level, let them talk first. Okay, I'm willing to acquiesce that. But then it's like I'm I'm getting yelled at because like you're not allowed to be I'm not allowed to be here because I eat meat and crack too many jokes. That woman over there can't be a feminist because she's wearing makeup and garters, even though she fucking bought the how to make a 501 like paperwork PowerPoint presentation. And you're just going to kick her out because like she doesn't fit your version of this shit. And then it just breaks down into like people like like snakes eating their own tail. And yeah. it just turned into. And you know what? The only time people ever set aside their grievances was to be like, fuck white people, which is weird because there were a lot of like. Bernie Sanders type dudes oh, yeah, and then yeah. working class guys and like even a couple of like Bay Ridge dock worker looking type guys who was like, no, nah, he's Italian. He's not white, which is funny because like they were my Italians were considered minorities in the census up until like the late 60s. OK, and like yeah. they felt threatened because like one of them, like one of them just said, like, what do my what did my grandparents ever do to your grandparents? Like, why are you pulling me into this? And just like, no, it was there was never. There was never any answer to any of these grievances. It was always it always seemed to come from this really weird view of the world that was thousands of volumes wide, but only one volume deep. All right. And like like, uh, for example, like I'm a Muslim feminist and I'm like, all right, in Islam, there's only one gender and fem women are property. So like, how do you how do you how do you acquiesce that? Like some some woman three years ago on like Steinway Street died out because like there's female genital mutilation. So they snip, snip the clit, but they wanted to keep it. They didn't want to freak out the authorities. So she didn't go to the hospital and they thought she'd be OK. And like she died. So like, what's Jesus. up with that? If you're a Muslim feminist, what's up with that? And then I was asked to leave. Um, so, yeah, uh, that was uh, that was my experience. With Occupy Wall Street, man. Good times. Yeah. I mean, crucially, right. It's like you're being asked to leave because of your opinions. It's not because you're a white guy, <laughs> exactly, because, like, you know, you you could claim uh, Hispanic or Latino well, heritage um, if you I'm wanted kinda, to. I'm kind of swarthy. Like, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, uh, I've been called white adjacent. Uh, mm -hmm. I've been I, I've been called not quite white. I've been called you look white, but you don't act white. Uh, which is one of the highest praises like a black person could give, you know? <laughs> like like two, like two steps down from like the N word passes that. Uh, <laughs> I think I think one step above that is you're invited to the cookout and then you're allowed to say it. Um, so, <laughs> but but uh, but you're, uh, but, you're gonna but no. get there sooner than I will. So uh, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> no, no, everyone loves a comeback story though, dude. Everyone loves an underdog. So like, there's a, there should be like a montage of you like at church volunteering. Now you're like singing along with the choir. You're like volunteering at the at the boys and girls club. You're at a cookout. You just drop the N word. Everyone gives you a standing ovation. Come on, dude, you could make it happen. You could totally make it happen, Dan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's something to shoot for. I, I got it. It's my new project. But, but one Getting thing I've learned. <laughs> one one thing I learned though from Occupy Wall Street is that like this tenth of intersectional allies could never really see eye to eye because their right. grievances could only be set aside when their ideology was what I owe it, which is weird that like I'm, I'm the spawn of immigrants and the public education system and I'm not even white. So for me to go, wow, these people really hate not just white people, but like working class white people. Like that was the first time I ever saw people laughing at opioid death and like meth death statistics. Like, in fact, I remember overhearing this one smarmy bitch 
go like, oh, well, I mean, they're just future opioid statistics anyway, which turned out to be a really haunting line over the years. And yeah, for yeah. someone to be that aware, for someone to have their ear that close to the ground and, and, and like be absorbed into this progressive stack. You know what? You know what happened to Occupy Wall Street, dude? It's this really weird uh, cycle of infiltrate and subvert. Yeah, yeah. Like, top down. You know, and frankly, anti-white, anti—you know, um, male, whatever narratives that are introduced from the top that you know break apart what could be progressive coalitions. Oh no, because it's 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 scary because there are so many abundantly obvious arguments that are not only to be made about this, but like you know, being labeled dissident or even right wing, like up and. Only the other side would possibly ever disagree. But then, like, you end up with this really weird... I know it sounds cliche to say, like, it's like they're living in a different reality. But, like, not to beat a dead horse, but you guys remember, like, the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, right? Of course. Like, all right, so we hit this insane benchmark where two groups of people can see the same footage. And, like, so let's say, like, uh, you guys are watching the footage and, like, you know... Matt turns to Dan and he's like, wow, that was a good shot. I don't think even I could have done something like that under such stressful conditions. Holy shit, that was traumatic and jarring. And he could have died several times in the span of like 15 seconds. And, and, and then Dan's like, yeah. And then I look at it and I'm like, cross state lines, long gun, bad match, <laughs> uh, Trump, incel, um, anti-Semite, talking point 404 loading, you know? Yeah. Uh, and 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 we hit first of all, I will say that eyewitness accounts can be like, you know, not the most um, sustainable thing. Like, I'm sure if Dan and I saw something and the police had to take statements, there'd be like a few differences. Sure. But like this, this was on a national level. Now, that same response of two groups of people looking at the same footage and getting worlds apart of a response. Now we're going to have that with Taiwan. We had it. Ukraine, uh, you could have it with race about who you vote for. In fact, if you know one answer to any of these questions, you could kind of sort of safely assume what they think and believe in, like almost entirely. Mm -hmm. Like, am I wrong? Like, oh, no, you're right. Like, I like, mean, like, it's like, a whole worldview. It's, yeah, you know, yeah, like an artificially it, constructed worldview that, um, you know, a simultaneously not to channel uh, Uncle Yarv too much, but <laughs> decentralized. <laughs> Uh, but you know, universally adopted and 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 from the top worldview that oh. um, permeates. Uh, and, and so, if you disagree with any of these things, you become a kind of outsider. You become what we are, and um, you kind of, you know, have your own, you know, beliefs that uh, you know your side propagates to a certain extent. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's. Um... Uh, not to ceaselessly show my zine, but in Cars and Women no, magazine no, number four, uh, there's this thing uh, I wrote called the Ukrainian litmus test, and where like if you talk to someone and if they're pro Ukraine, there is like there's more, there are better than Vegas odds in your favor that they will also believe in the follow. So like I I like I don't think I've ever met someone who was like pro Ukraine who also didn't believe in like the following, like you know. Um, if you were to cite like FBI crime statistics, that's what they used to call hate facts back in the day. Remember? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and uh, and if you uh, and uh, and um, 
uh, elderly people getting put uh, into comas by melanated individuals on CCTV is white supremacy, uh, which is my favorite. That is my favorite psyop of all time. That is no, because there is no that is like the Voight comp test of like the 20, the, the early 2020s now. Yeah. Show someone footage of like an elderly woman getting stomped into a coma. And if they're like, oh, this is the face of white supremacy. Huh. You've, got a pro you've got a problem on your hands now. Like, I hope you bought backup and the door's locked. Um, so, but yeah, no. no um, insane psyop. It, it, it's, uh, it's, it's my favorite psyop of all time. Um, and uh, 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 just real quickly, just so we could uh, round things out, because I know uh, if there's anything you'd like to discuss before we, uh, we retire for the afternoon, uh, I would like to discuss ending bigly if you don't mind dan oh absolutely percent yeah and and the, and Can Matt, the canada question I, I wanted to get into go on though sorry uh uh yes uh well ask away dude because uh, yeah. uh i could i could run my mouth about this endlessly because it's such a bizarre failing upward turn of events and how i ended up contributing to that thing in the first place <laughs> yeah but go so ask away, dude. for everyone uh, stained. Uh, so Terror House put out an anthology. Originally, they had an anthology edited by Bill Marchand called Ending Bigly, The Many Fates of Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. And so this is a follow up. Ending Bigly, eh? The Many Fates of Justin Trudeau, also edited by Bill Marchand. And there are a number of illustrious authors in here, but uh, perhaps none more so than Mr. Haynes on the podcast right now. And uh, your article here imagined um, a, a civil war in Canada between the Ontarians and the Quebecois, and uh, <laughs> more, more or less. And uh, and the and a refugee situation where Canadians are coming to the United States as refugees and they're being like kind of rejected and treated like with disdain by native by like the native population in America. And of course, this is a very interesting like dynamic because like obviously these uh, you know mostly very white people who speak better English than uh, most people in the United States. They, uh, they would be, you know, probably welcomed with uh, open arms. But um, you and this have like, a, you know, kind of turned it on its head. And so uh, what uh, what was the, the process here? What was the, the thinking? Here? All right. Well, um, uh, I'll, I'll start from the very beginning. All right. So um, in like early February, I was posting Canadian trucker convoy memes into the void, like well past its expiration date. The right. whole thing was over. The old woman on the mobility scooter got trampled by the horse. Uh, uh, show's over. Pack it up. Go home. And then uh, after that was done, I'm still I because I had a whole folder of trucker memes. And I was like, I did not get this folder together just to delete it. No, <laughs> we're go we're going to post these. And just end it, and then one by one, these will go into the recycling bin, and then I delete the folder, and then I move on. I spent a Saturday afternoon doing this. I'll be fucking damned if this goes to waste. So, halfway into posting that folder, I get a DM, and it's from uh, Mr. Bill March, the gentleman who edited the book. He's like, hey, uh, uh, you want to write for this anthology series? And of course, he said it much more eloquently than that. 
Um, and uh, and I was like, sure. When's the deadline? And he was like, well, like tomorrow. And I'm like, that, that really doesn't like that's not like, oh, man. And he was like, you know what? Like, I'll like, listen, it's not just your work. It's other people's work. But like, I'll, I'll extend the deadline for you. And I put everything on hold to work on this. Um, I just I, I so uh, one thing I remember doing is because I've been to Canada twice. Uh, I, I visited uh, two shithead internet friends of mine one of who got married and he lived in a suburb outside um london ontario mm -hmm. and um which like was just a like first of all like as a fucking dirty burger going to canada and it's like you guys got black people here i think i saw a guy in a turban was he a sikh like <laughs> to realize it isn't just an entire nation of people named doug who sound funny that went to the <laughs> diner of the world and then ordered the tuna salad but got the chicken melt and went eh you know, and didn't make a fuss <laughs> over it. Uh, I was really, I was almost offended by how clean London was, how clean the streets were. I, I didn't yeah. see, I didn't see any blood or gum. Um, that was so weird for me. Um, and uh, not everyone sounded uh, all oot and a boot and talked like that. Um, but some did. Um, and then at a later point, I met up with a shithead internet friend of mine who uh, lives in Montreal. And I think it's safe to say that like the hottest women in North America come from Montreal. Hmm. Holy shit. It, it's, it should be illegal. Um, so uh, I remember how jarring it was not speaking French. Um, in fact, like I remember one experience. It was like kind of a weird life-changing experience where like I went to this, um, like my first day in Montreal, like, I go get coffee. And um, yeah, I, I go into the cafe and it's like, you know, a little bell ring on the door and it's like, bonsoir, comment allez-vous, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. And I'm like, hey, can I get a large coffee? And I had never seen such powerful eye rolling since the last exorcism I've been to. Oh, man. And then, she, and then she goes, to stay or to go, sir? And now my initial thought was like, you fucking bitch. Like, what are you yeah. talking to me like this for? What do we like? What did I like? If I just if I just cartwheeled into the store and pissed everywhere, you have every right to come at me like this. But that didn't happen. And then there was this like moment where i stopped and i was like maybe this is what like abuelo and abuela and like mom and dad had to deal with when they came to america like i'm making nice trying to speak the language i know she speaks the language and she's using that as leverage against me and it's only multiplied by this being in the form of like food retail there's a register there's a counter yeah you know? and to feel that on like north american soil was i, I it's like it's the polar opposite of like seeing third world conditions on American soil. Like when you go to the hood or parts of the South, yeah, Midwest, yeah. you know, or like just go outside any major city for three and a half hours. You could find hell blasted landscape, missing copper wiring on American soil. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I'd been to Canada before and it, it always fascinated me and how, like, I hope this doesn't sound cliche, but, um, I felt safer in Canada, but I didn't feel free. Yeah, no, um, that's uh, kind of been my I've, I've been many times, including recently, pretty strictly on the Ontario side, never really been far into Quebec and never been to Montreal. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it's a uh, I like it a lot. First of all, let me say you hear a lot of bad things about Canada. There's a lot of bad things to say about it politically and a lot of bad things to say about some of the kind of Canadian urbanite culture. But obviously the outdoor stuff is great. And yeah, it's kind of a fascinating place, as you, as you said, with Montreal, because it's it's distinctly North American. 
you would not you wouldn't mistake yourself for being on any other continent. And in some ways, it is sort of an extension of the United States. Well, not so much Quebec, but the rest of it, like Ontario, is kind of kind of an extension. Oh yeah, yeah. And, but and there's then... these little differences. You feel like you're in the Commonwealth because you are, and you're yeah. under the Queen's protection. You feel safe but less free as you said, and it is, it is cleaner. And it is, there are these kind of interesting Northern elements. It, it's just these little, kind of like I was saying with California earlier too, in a, in a completely different way. It's like, there's these, these, these subtle differences that you kind of just have to experience. Um, and I am oh, a yeah. Canada fan. I'll say that I was really charmed. I hadn't been in like five years and I went this like three weeks ago, actually. And, oh, uh, how was it? Uh, you know, I was kind of in a very outdoorsy area. So that's, not necessarily representative of the nation as a whole but man i was kind of i grew up going there a lot and i was kind of like uh and i hadn't really thought about it so much in the time that i hadn't oh, been nice. there when it was were shut you, down for covid or anything were, but i was kind of were you hunting uh were you hunting for a sasquatch in calgary <laughs> not not exactly well let's let's say that i was because i don't want to totally talk <laughs> was. um uh, but yeah i was i was in an outdoors area and oh I was that's re- lovely re- man. recharmed by canada and 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 for the record, I know, like I know, I made Canada out to be some sort of like desolate post-national, um, you know, homogenized landscape. Uh, but uh, the 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 process of how I got around to writing this was, um, I'm talking to Mr. Marchant, and uh, he, because uh, for a while I used to joke about how like you know Canadian rep- like we first of all we need like a Mariel boat lift. To get like the, the 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 Canadian dissidents out of the country and give them refuge in America, like um like uh like uh, Mr. Gio Panichetta, like mm-hmm. we uh-huh. need my, we need we need our favorite and best leaves to like get them like a refugee or political uh, exile status in America, uh just so the uh that country becoming a parody of a parody. Uh, will not consume some of our best and brightest minds. There are a lot of great Canadians. Yes. Say that, yeah. Hell, dude, Norm MacDonald uh, was a, not only an honorary American hero, but the funniest man who ever walked the earth was a fucking leaf. Think about that. Yeah. Damn. Right? Uh, so so, so uh, um, I used to joke about how like, Canadian refugees would be among some of the most grateful human beings on earth and their neighbors would never understand why. Um, through through my shithead internet friends and the time I spent there, I did get to see a number of things that, you know, really dispelled the myth and the image that Canada has. Because part of what they export is their image, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's not unless you're in Canada that you realize, oh, they're not just collectively nice and polite. I think they're just better at following orders on a wide scale collectively. You know, better than like the average, like, you know, corn syrup fed gun toting American who opens fire at national disasters during the national anthem. Um, So uh, I was able to finally put all of these things, not to like exercise them, but to finally like state them like like a couple of couple of things I noticed is how. Canadians have a lot of opinions about America and most Americans don't know a thing about Canada other than like Wayne Gretzky and Norm Macdonald and William Shatner and maple syrup. Canadians have a lot to say about America, but they couldn't tell you a fucking thing about what's happening in like Arkansas or Tennessee or like the 81st district of the Bronx, you know, or Queens. They couldn't because like they, they not America is Canada's identity built into their fucking constitution. 
yeah. because like not America was basically like, no, nah, we're still going to have the queen on our gay plastic money in the future. <laughs> and then they wrote the Constitution. So, um, so no. And it's kind of funny, too, because like Canada also had like a Wild West, like an Old West. But like our Old West was filled with like cult leaders and con men and a lot yeah, of violence. Yeah. And over there, it was just like, you know, French Canadian pelt farmers, you know, in a fucking <laughs> canoe going like, you know we have an ethno state uh so um so uh i've always found it funny how canada has spent so many fucking resources over so many decades for an indignant population that outside of where they mostly live in quebec you know like imagine the three people in winnipeg who speak french and they make a they make you know a noise and they're really angry and indignant because they go to the DMV and no one can speak French. Uh, hell, because if you want to run for public office in Canada, you have to be bilingual. Like, it's, it's such a weird, like, the, the Canada is so weirdly beholden to the French, I guess because they are the first minority built into their constitution that way. Um, but no, um, it, it's, it's, it's a really weird... Second of all, like Canadians have more in common with their fucking American neighbor to the south than they do to the province next door. Yeah, like yeah, the pro yeah. the provinces of Canada are all like weird separate parts of a world map. But like yeah. I, I kind of touched on this in the first vignette of oh, my yeah, piece, yeah. Uh, and then that was surprising to me because I didn't really think of Canada. I knew that like Alberta is very different from say uh, Quebec. But like, I, yeah. I didn't realize that, like, yeah, I guess people from Newfoundland, they oh. have a different culture than people from Ontario. Right. But but on top of that, like different provinces have put up like uh, tariffs on one another, um, like, you know, the, the ethanol for the truck in Calgary has to be this percentage. But then the ethanol in this. So so um, there's a. Uh, at, at Mr. Marchant's recommendation, uh, when I when I bought up the Canadian refugee thing, he was like, have you ever heard of Sunshine Sketches of a Small Canadian Town? And I'm like, no. Um, and you'll have to excuse my ignorance. I don't remember offhand uh, the author. Uh, but it was basically like every every two, three pages were like different vignettes of all these characters in a small Canadian town in the early um, in the early 1900s. And it's a like, beautifully written. And even though all the vignettes are sort of overlapped with one another, so like, you know how like an episode of King of the Hill, like everyone has their own storyline, but they all intertwine and, and overlap. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's like that. There was this like weird, homely, small town, prairie feeling to it all uh, that kind of reminded me of like old American frontiers type, you know, uh, high trust society while we murder the Indians kind of feel to it, <laughs> you know? Which, by the way, like Canada treats their Indians worse than America, which is no small feat. That is like, I mean, Australia is the world heavyweight champion of going, fuck the Indians. Uh, America, uh, unfortunately, number third. Canada's number two. But nothing to slouch at. Also, Canada has a higher arson rate than America. I think it's in their blood because Canada huh. burnt down uh, the original White House. Um, also, people don't get murdered. In, people don't go murdered in Canada. They go missing. That's why it has such a low murder rate because they're just listed as missing. So no one raises eyebrows. So um, I read Sunshine Sketches of a Small Canadian Town and I'm like, this is genius, but I can't have the lives of these people fleeing Canada uh, overlap. 
So how about this? Everyone is just fucking catapulted or slingshot or smuggled or exiled out of the country. So I kind of served it where like, we forget that Canada is part of the British Commonwealth. All right. And like uh, the Commonwealth has been shrinking over time. So uh, because of years of depleted resources for this indignant minority uh, that has been just dwindling away at royal coffers, um, you know, all, and also because, yeah. hey, things are getting so expensive. People are unhappy about like the Chinese lung herpes gene altering mystery fluid mandates. Uh, hey, you know what will make everyone feel better? Invading fucking <laughs> uh, uh, Quebec. <laughs> all right. That'll make everyone feel better. And um, but you see. Uh, one thing I learned through the trucker convoy ordeal is that every checkpoint between America and Canada has like thermal scanners. So you can't be smuggling people in and out. And I'm like, well, what can get all the thermal scanners out of the border and to make sure nothing comes in or out of uh, Quebec, specifically Montreal? And I'm like, oh, good old fashioned war. OK, so um, <laughs> there had always been separatist um, uh, sentiment in that corner of Canada. Uh, yeah. They truly do see themselves in an entirely different entity and like rightfully so. But like there is, wow, they're French and Canadian. So that means they're obnoxious and boring. Um, so uh, uh, try the veal, folks. I'm here till Friday. Um, so uh, yeah. uh, so I figured, OK, that removes all the, the thermal shit outside the border. Now it's like fair game. It's open season. And now people can get out of um uh, of the country and like one guy yeah. liquidates his 401k and his metamask and sells everything he can to get out of there um there was one vignette i'm particularly proud of where like frank castle wins the nobel prize uh, oh, i was gonna like, ask you about that yeah. <laughs> because, like, what, what's the frank castle connection here because uh, like uh yeah he's <laughs> obviously like an you know internet celebrity and i'm reading well, this i'm just like oh how'd this guy get into uh well story well, uh, not to not to toot my own horn here, but my very first mutual on Twitter is a gentleman by the name of Newworks. All right. And he edited uh, some video for Frank Castle back. In the day. So, you know how million dollar extreme videos would sometimes have like accompanying text where it'll just be like a wall of text for like half a second. Yeah. And you have to pause it to read it. Yeah. Uh, so um, time goes by and uh, Newworks is editing some some videos for Frank and Frank's like, I need some writing and I need some text. And Newark's is like, I know a guy. So on the, um, on the Providence pride parade, uh, Frank Castle video. And oh, I know that one. Yeah. 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 And, and, in the, and the one where he has uh, the press pass, I think in Atlanta. Um, I think and, I he's, and he's just like walking around in public uh, with a GoPro. Uh, yeah. At one point, he screams at someone mm -hmm. going, he's got a knife. And like, he clearly doesn't. Right. Uh, right. So so for those two videos, uh, I sent some writing, a lot of which he used. So uh, that and you know what? Uh, Frank was really Frank was really nice enough to be like when the second video was uploaded. He just tweeted like, oh, it was edited by this and this audio done by this. And then a follow up tweet going uh, and writing done by this guy. Uh, no, that yeah. was the first time. The second time he was like follow this man That's and then awesome. nice yeah. and then i got some followers who some became mutuals i'm still in touch with one became a really good homie of mine uh there's a yeah. guy named maddie furious who's edited videos for uh mde and frank castle and 
he pivoted and became this ridiculous full-time crypto artist who like, listen, I don't know the first thing about art or art theory. I'm an uncultured slob. I likes what I likes and I know what I likes. All right. Yeah. But like, uh, I collaborated with Maddie Furious in making some like super predator NFTs. And the sale of one of those was the startup capital I needed to make Queens trash. That's awesome. And, wow. and, and, and this guy is like a ridiculous artist whose shit I can't come up with of like a, a peer or an equal. And we crossed paths because fucking Frank Castle was like, follow this guy. Yeah. Well, you and, must uh, know uh, John Pellick as well then, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 He's a friend of mine in, in Meat Space here in L.A. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> yeah, please yeah. tell him. Please tell him I send regards. I will. Yeah. So, so, um, uh, so, so I figured, you know what? Like, at no point was was Frank obligated to do that. At no point was he obligated to like. In fact, like I remember one time I hassled him for a retweet, pun intended, and <laughs> like, and, and he did so within seconds, and I was like, holy shit, that was really cool, and he was like, nah, bro, like it, it's 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 no big deal. And like, cause some, I get, I, I understand how some people are weird about asking for that or like weird about getting those requests, but like I was a nobody and he had a sizable following at the time and he's got like an even bigger one now, but like now I'm one step above nobody. So like sometimes, Hey, can you retweet this? And it's like, Hey, you don't suck. All right. Come on in. You know, I, I, I try to be at I, least. I, I dare I, say you have helped me, Haynes, in that regard yeah. with some uh, very, uh, you know, uh, propulsive tweets. So nah, thank bro. You very if much. it's if it's over the fence, it's a home run. Like I don't. It doesn't. Like no, dude, that shit's fucking hilarious. You kidding me? Thank so, you, man. So 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 no. Uh, so uh, I figured, all right, to make sure no one knows of any war crimes or atrocities carried out by the Canadian military against the, 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 the French Canadians, um, there would be like an internet kill switch, like a blackout or something. But um, nature finds a way. So the only footage being captured of this entire ordeal is Frank Castle and his GoPro. All right. <laughs> so he ends up reluctantly against, against the wills of the establishment and the powers that be. He wins the Nobel Prize. And um, John Pellick accepts the award in his place and reads the Navy SEAL copy pasta to a quiet audience that doesn't get it. And then he meets up with uh, Frank Hassel uh, and Frank Hassel orders a fucking bacon, egg and cheese. And he already has the GoPro running. And the guy behind the, the guy behind the counter is like 350. He's like, no, I should get it for free. I'm a war hero. And the guy just kind of like, all right, just, you know, he seemed familiar from the Facebook videos. Even the old timers knew what this man's deal was. That uh, that that big fella that went to Canada that won some award that no one wants to give. <laughs> even even the Dominican bodega owner was able to piece this together, and he just kind of shrugs his shoulders and slides the bacon egg and cheese across the counter. So yeah, that that um, I mean, listen, if you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. So it was really Absolutely. fun to write this, um, because yeah, I was able to exercise all these not grievances but things I noticed that were startlingly different between america and canada mm -hmm. but on the other uh, and like and honestly like you know i i don't have anything to say uh bad about the country but like i finally understand why cubans they're like hey like you know we love americans but fuck america you know yeah <laughs> so like i get it now it's like hey like canadians for the most part have been some of the dopest sharpest uh, funniest, considerate people I've ever met, and I don't mean polite, considerate. I just mean like facetious, you know. Uh, yeah. But like, fuck Canada. 
Like, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, now, can you start this? Start writing this before Ukraine because it's kind of like eerily prescient of like you know a we have a, a big European war going on now mm. and like the refugee situation. And so I'm reading this and it's kind of like, well, what if that war were taking place in the country least likely to ever have an armed conflict uh, well maybe not these days but like you know it certainly has that stereotype and so i'm wondering was this influenced by uh the festivities in ukraine oh oh no um that was just uh that was a lovely and splendid accident that's what i mean by like failing upward like this started with me posting fucking trucker memes into the void and then i got uh-huh. asked to like be a part of this thing which, by the way, like, uh, you know, there were some people like uh, uh, like Geo wrote a piece, um, Mountain Dandy wrote a piece, Dogbot wrote a piece before he got nuked. Um, people wrote gold that I'm really, really, really proud of to have, like, stand shoulder to shoulder with. Um, and, yeah. you know, th- this guy just gave me a shot based on nothing, really, like, which is kind of a. Like, looking back on it, it's like, wow, you gambled everything on pictures I was posting after this political thing that got crushed under heel. Like, and you're asking me for words? Okay. Mm. Which, which, what a weird, insane gamble, which turned out to be a hell of a lateral move, I suppose. So, uh, yeah. so yeah. Um, uh, being able to put these thoughts to rest, I suppose, you know? Sure. Like, I always wanted to write about this to some degree. I just didn't know how. Like, all right. Like, have you fellas ever seen, like, the George Romero, like, of the Dead series? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, he kind of sort of touches on things like race and class and how all you need is a minor fuck up for people to lose all common sense. You know, it's just like the window dressing is zombie apocalypse, you know? Yeah. So, um, this turned out to be a very, uh, you know, not to beat a dead horse, but like it was serendipitous because like, wow, look at this thing that's happening in Canada. <laughs> LOL, truck memes. And then a week later, hey, you want to write for this thing? And yeah. you know what? Like not doing it was not an option. Like Absolutely. I, I, it, 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 it quite literally came crashing through my roof and landed on my doorstep. Yep. Uh, so it was just, yeah. just, it was excellent timing and uh yeah i'm glad i'm glad it struck a chord i've had a couple of leafs reach out to me and be like wow like you know you seem to have your finger on the pulse like what's your <laughs> to canada like yeah. how do you know and i'm i'm not claiming to be any like specialist or 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 shit or an expert or anything it's just like look honestly fellas like i'm not the smartest guy in the room but i'm pretty good at paying attention uh i'm pretty good at noticing things and i know i'm good at noticer yeah and i'm pretty good at i know i'm good at expressing myself whether it's like talkity talk or writing or with images so i i felt that you know i knew i wouldn't be the only person who would read that and be like yeah pretty much like it's Mm. yeah yeah it is like that um and and i tried really hard to make each vignette be like believable they all weren't just like white people. Like there was like um, uh, not only a French Canadian woman who just gets her day ruined at a Texas diner uh, because like, you know, because think about it. Like now fucking Americans have to pay tax dollars to fucking shelter these refugees they didn't vote for. 
fucking ungrateful Canadians with their han han wee wee. And then the French Canadians got some fucking nerve when they come here because they're like, we're your neighbors. We live next door to you. Can't you recognize our accent? And it's like, no, because they've never been to your country. What the fuck does your accent have to do with keeping the lights on? They're the, 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 it, she, and, and this, so you see this French Canadian still retained their indignity uh, when being so graciously. All right. All right. So, yeah. um, but then there was also a vignette of a man who left um, Montreal because like he, he, like, you know, he, he has like a, like he stutters and he has a learning disability. So he can't yeah. learn French and his life is a fucking living hell. And like the treatment of people who don't speak French in that part of Canada, like it's fucking horrifying and no one ever talks about it. Kind of like there are problems in every country. No one wants to talk about like how, yeah. like in how, like, like in how Japan, there's a homeless problem. No one wants to talk about. And part of it is to save face, but right. also like the diaper manufacturers in Japan, their biggest customers are now the elderly. No one talks about this. All right. Mm. So like in Canada, um, First of all, yeah, there is racism, okay? Of course, there's racism everywhere. But the weirdest discrimination and antagonization of people are the French-speaking French Canadians towards those who don't speak French in Montreal. Um, Interesting. It, it's, really, it's really cutthroat and heartless. Um, so, so, no, like, you know, all these idiosyncrasies and all these little small details... Yeah, I fictionalized them, but like I'm really proud. In fact, like this has kind of been not the underpinning of a lot of my work, but like, listen, first of all, I wouldn't sell anything I wouldn't personally wear or buy or want to read. All right. And yeah. especially with the writing stuff. Like, so like I I guess um I uh I wanted to to like, and this means a lot to me to do it with writing because, like, shirts are one thing, flyers are another. The zine is really touching when people hit me up and they're like, wow, like, this is incredible. This is great. Keep up the good work. Okay. And that's always like that, that always makes a good day great and not so good days even better. But what, what makes it so profound for me is that, like, it validates me going through with it in the first place. Yeah. Like, I knew it was a good idea out the gate. And then people responding this way, like, no, you are simply confirming or reaffirming this notion that kind of got it moving in the first place. So to even write about something so far outside my wheelhouse, like fucking Canada. And again, I'm yeah. no expert. I've only been there twice, but like it left an impression on me. So, um, you know, uh, honestly, if it wasn't for Bill March, uh, I this last section of uh of this program would have just been me quoting the simpsons out of context uh and and, <laughs> and and matt quietly sharpening a knife going like oh damn you said this guy was cool and, you think that was him, <laughs> and he's just like some fucking asshole and he just like i don't even uh, he's even quoting the older shitty seasons what's his problem <laughs> <laughs> but uh but no i'm i'm so glad i'm so glad uh you enjoyed the book uh yeah I'm, no no it's really good and uh you know, we, I, I don't know if we hit on cars and women enough and uh, super predator, but what you have here is really special too. Like cars Thank and women. You, man. Yeah. This, this issue that you gave me the other night, you maybe you could say a little thing about how you say that every issue is unique. And so I, I saw what you meant by that because you gave me the issue and you opened it up 
And there's a, spa a, a space from the desk of Stained Haynes where you write personal messages in there. And so I've got this one right here. Here <laughs> of our Lord, August 4th, 2022. Dan Baltic received this by hand. His number one guy. And uh, yeah, no, Whoa, I mean, it's Dan it's Baltic needs me. <laughs> Dan Baltic does need you. Uh, you know, you, pod. you know what, man? Um, no two copies are alike because uh, part of my shtick. And you know what? I've been waiting for Haynes to tell me to go fuck myself and send me a cease and desist letter. Uh, but it doesn't uh, happen. Whenever I post a Gutsto Girl shirt, I always tag the, the Utz pretzel company in it on Instagram and on Twitter. And I'm waiting for the day they, tell, they send me a cease and desist letter and tell me to stop. But they're surprisingly cool with it. All right. Um, uh, so um, interesting. So uh, with the screen printed shirts, no two are alike because uh, I could do a hundred of the same writing with the spare prohibited keep hopes up shirt, but there will always be like a slight discrepancy in each of those one hundred. You know. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so with the zine, um, to to sort of ensure that quality control. Um, because like if if the two of you were to be hanging out and you're both wearing like you know take like a like a respect troops shirt okay even if they were both black ink on white shirts there would still be like even the slightest like the paint is a little off on the corner or this is bolder than the rest all right the zine works the same way but I figured like all right this is the written word so not only is this the the literal written word because I'm writing it by hand it is also the written word where like the proverbial written word people's submissions and my writing and uh, the editor's writing all compiled um cars and women magazine started out because um well uh how much time do i got left i think i could speed run this story <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. No, we, we got time all right uh let me try and make this as as uh, coherent as possible yeah so once upon a time, uh, there was a website called encyclopedia.zone and I joined the forums and I found out about the forums because once upon a time, there was Hyde Wars episode 17 and the guest All was right. Dr. Don Jolly, who at the time was the editor in chief of Dagger magazine. It's sort of like the Paris review of literature, shit posts. And, <laughs> um, it was great. And uh, three issues were released and then issue four was physical and it's a fucking work of art. Uh, the Dagger Mag forums, I was only on the tail end of, but it was nothing like it I'd ever seen. And it was like a weird web 4.0, like a return to HTML. Back yeah. when, you know, you needed uh, screen names and passwords. And mm. uh, so, um, so part of the beauty of the site is that to join, to have full access of the forums and MChat, you had to audition. You had to send like a, like a 200 word post or like a picture, a song, something you made. And if the editor liked it, you were in. There was a quality control just for the people in, like who, who interacted and used the site. So on the site in the forums, it was uh, Operation Super Predator. And, uh, and then when the site migrated from Dagger because it got sold to these dudes in Hawaii, uh, Don Jolly moved ship, and then we're in Encyclopedia.Zone. So that's where Super Predator starts. And uh, Don Jolly was nice enough to just like cut off a piece of the website and be like, hey, y'all could use this, you know, just don't leave any motorcycle tire tracks on the ceiling. And yeah, uh, and yeah so uh, superpredator.zone. We, we got our own uh, wing of the site 
It started out, it, it was sort of meant to be, imagine a zine made entirely of people who got nothing but rejection letters. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and they realized um, this zine would not be, this, is, this would not be necessary if the world wasn't the way it is right now. And there's nothing I can really compare it to. I still get people who hit me up over a super prep, which, and for the record, don't go to this website on your phone. It was intentionally made to not be mobile friendly. Um, yeah, yeah, I can confirm hmm. this. So, so, um, <laughs> it, uh, so, and, and I'm really, I'm really grateful that I could put it on my resume and my work involved with it, um, still holds up very well. So we do this and then we start getting submissions and we were kind of hoping it would, you know, grow legs and take shape in, in other different ways. Um, we didn't expect people like, when's part two coming out? Because it was like in the back of issue one, it was sort of like, hey, Super Predator's public domain. Add to Super Predator. Take away from Super Predator. Post Super Predator on bus stops because no one owns the truth. In fact, if you edit it or add or take away from it, it makes it even more true. Have fun. Yeah, yeah. Take it. Run with it. Um, and then it sort of became a thing of its own. So then issue two happened. And around that time, Trump got elected. Um, no, no, no. Trump was in office. Biden got elected. And I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, like, no one saw Biden winning the election. It's just sort of sad how, like, it's, it's so under... Even Super Predator was caught off guard. So then the Capitol Hill thing happened, and that was the last online update. And then here's what happened, okay? So um, from February, March, and April to May... Uh, we usually we would have like meetings where it would be like all the founding members and the head of every department. I'll just try to make this as quick as possible. Let's say we're all in super predator. The editor in chief is like, all right, go, what do you got? And you, yeah. Dan, you're like, all right, uh, we should have more Alex Jones, public access live streams with Collins because now we have a video puppet rig and a burner phone to take even more calls. All right. Uh, Matt, what you got? And you're like, all right, we need more online content because a lot of the traffic funnels in through the website. And then through the website, that's where people end up in distribution, print copies, looking at other links and articles. All right. Um, Wells, what do you got? Uh, we should really be working on number three, the physical copy of number three. You really need to be working on that. And then you go down the boardroom table. And then, all right, you, Haynes, what do you got? And I'm like, I keep getting people saying they want the things on coffee mugs and shirts. So I've had to tell 17 people to go fuck themselves because I don't have an answer for that. They, we could eat. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of NFTs, but like people are making yeah. good money making digital dog shit. And what we do <laughs> is better than digital dog shit. I would wager it's better than okay. So yeah, I don't yeah. need to uh, compromise anyone's artistic integrity here, but there are a number of moves we could be making. And I believe we should be looking into these things. Um, and then we repeat that in March, and then we repeat it in April, and then we repeat it in May. At some point during all of this, um, well, before this, I was elected um, community outreach for Super Predator. I didn't, I didn't vote. There was an election, and they were like, yeah, th this, this guy talks to people with a fucking luchador mask in public. He's good with <laughs> talkity talk. He's in. So um, that's how I got a number of... Uh, submissions and that's how a few people became fellow super predators one of them being um anatomy of the heads aka uh, a of the h on twitter 
And he's like, hey, and, and my tale is old as time. Hey, man, I love your site. Hey, thanks. What's up? Uh, and that's not my site, but I'm a founding member. Oh, cool. Hey. And uh, all right. And, hey, so uh, what about these submission things? And I'm like, you know what? Fuck it, dude. Give it to me, and I'll give it to the editor by hand. So A of the H holds the record of sending us something, and then I hand it to the editor. And minutes later, the editor is like, get me pictures of Spider-Man. What's this man's story? What's his deal? What's he like? Where's he from? This is very good writing. Keep him on board. Put him in the Rolodex. And it's like, we've worked to the death with deadlines hanging over our heads. And this guy never fucking budged for a thing. I sent them A of the H's writing. And this guy, like, he's jumping up and down. And now he's threatening me by text message. So that's when I knew, like, oh, wow. Like, there's, there's got to be something to this guy. So we talk, we got to know each other, and like, uh, uh, he he saw some of the same weird shit I saw growing up, like Freakazoid, The Tick. Oh um, yeah, no, I love those. Yeah, and and it's funny because like, um, you know how Exotica music is like a bunch of honkies imagining what the jungle music is like. So yeah. like, him and his band is like inverse world music, where like, imagine three dudes in a sweaty Indonesian jungle, but they like like Steely Dan and black metal and like early mr bungle so it's like inverse exotica music so uh so no um he hits me up one day and he's like dude let's just start our own thing and that was uh like almost a year ago yeah Uh, in (laughs) fact when when issue six drops it'll be one year uh uh, cars and women magazine yeah and And uh, what you have here you have poetry you have fiction you have commentary and it's all done in this kind of like DIY real zine format. So like what we were talking about earlier, there's a magazine revolution. Uh, a, a new right uh, listener, Corporate Clark, tweeted about this. But I like to think that Cars and Women is uh, and Super Predator. You uh, you really channeling the spirit of the '90s scenes, and that's that's cool to see. Oh, I appreciate that, man. Thank you. The, the aesthetics are a very deliberate choice. I have to give a lot of credit to, um, well, the art department of Super Predator. Uh, they're like just flawless. Um, but A of the H, he's responsible for the layout of Cars and Women magazine. Of course, being a fellow Super Predator doesn't hurt in terms of like taste and aesthetics. But he's he's just so... All right, quick little story about A of the H, right, fellas? So um, I find it fascinating how this guy who lives on the other end of the earth that I've never been in in the same physical room as, like, we've collaborated on things. Like, I've given him vocals for stuff to put on, like, the Engram Records compilation, uh, like, with his band, Anatomy of the Heads. Um, Yeah. Like, I've put up flyers of, of, like, his stuff, like, in my city. Um, Like, we've, we've, we got this thing up and running and he's he's the architect of queenstrash.com actually like that's why the website and the zine sort of go like fit like hand in glove so like even though uh collaborating and doing all these things are like easy peasy one two three here's a perfect example of like language barrier so like and it's it's no one's fault i just think it's hilarious like uh one day he dms me on twitter and he's like hey man i need your help uh, can you help me come up with a good header for this email? And for like an hour and a half, I'm like, what the fuck is a header? Yeah. And I even and, and it's and it's not until I realize like, oh, that's how people outside America, that's what they call the subject in the email. And and I lose <laughs> an hour and a fucking half over like 
such a, even though like we've made music and art and this thing that people subscribe to that I handwrite and I mail with a thank you letter and uh, I'm always harassing the ladies at the post office at like 4.57 p.m. every day. Uh, like, and, and I'm the reason they're late a couple of minutes. Because, uh-huh. and, 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 and yet he's like, hey, can you help me figure out a fucking header? The fuck is a header? This fucking guy. What? Who the <laughs> fuck does this Indonesian doctor do? What the fuck kind of low level you've been punked? Kind of. Am I on candid camera? Does this cocksucker have my fucking living room bugged? Header. What the fuck does he? And then an hour goes by, and I'm like, oh, it's subject derp. Yeah. Like that's yeah. right. So so no no no. Just uh, the 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 trials and tribulations of making art and willing things into existence like that's just remember folks uh common goals outweigh common interests and once two or more people are involved in something communication is the most important thing i'm living proof <laughs> you you're doing a great job of it haynes and uh yeah just uh, again for everyone cars and women magazine queen's trash 718 tv these are, you know, the type them into Google. You're going to find what you, you need to find. And uh, you're, you're going to find awesome shirts. You're going to find these, these great uh, DIY uh, zines. And, uh, Haynes, you are, you're producing like real, uh, you know, real guerrilla art, I would say. And that's, that's cool shit. Thank, thank you, man. I think uh, I, 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 will say one, I will say one thing, though. Uh, Matt, the, the, the things we, we kind of discussed earlier about like, you know, this like gritty, real in your face thing becoming, uh, like canonized into this, like, you know, uh, neoliberal globo homo gay oligarchy, yeah. uh, centrist, uh, bland one fits all one size fits all like ordeal. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll be the first to admit if like hot topic cut me a check for it's okay to be infected if there are enough zeros on that check i'll take it mm-hmm. i'll take of it of course yeah I, I, and i would rather i would rather it be in the hands of like hot topic than like um like you know now it's being used by darpa or some shit which let's be honest darpa will cut me a check with even more zeros but like i can't that's like nah that that like like that DARPA has the strength of like eleven fucking DC Beltway think tanks. All right, no, like so. So um, uh, uh, I assure you that even if uh, even if Hot Topic cuts me a check for it's okay to be infected, I'll still be putting up flyers until I need medical assistance in doing so. Like I really, there are other things I'd like to do. Don't get me wrong, but like some of my best ideas have come from putting up flyers. So, yeah. like, now I have no reason not to do it. I don't know about you, fellas, but, like, this whole thing has been very empowering for me because it all started as, like, shit I used to daydream about when I was, like, at work. And then oh, I Oh, 100%. Up- yeah, I mean, that's and- what, like, it's been a year for us with New Right, And, like, it's amazing to see this journey and to, like, to go to parties, like, these expat parties, mm-hmm. and people are like, oh, you're damn Baltic. Oh, you, you, I listen to New Right." And that's fucking amazing. That's that's amazing to hear that. And so like you you walk around, you see people wearing your shirts. That's um, you know, we're, we've both come a long way in a short period of time. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think that might be a good note to kind of bounce on because unfortunately, uh, I think Matt has to uh, 
uh, get going. Yeah, 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 another minute or so. Yeah, no, 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 Matt, yeah. Matt, Matt, ha- Matt has to go ghost women on Tinder who lie about their age. <laughs> so he, he, he's, he's gonna put on some pants and then be like, "All right, babe, I'm on the way." And then delete number, delete number block. Absolutely, <laughs> these, these are my weekend plans. But um, before I bounce, I guess, or before we we wrap things up, I, I don't know if you want to, Dan. I did see well, the one last thing we didn't address on the outline was the luchador mask. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is that? Oh, did yeah. you wear that all the time at like these expat readings and whatnot? Uh, <clears throat> no, 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 no. Uh, uh, I, I, depending on the, depending on the social setting, like for like, so at the expat readings, I mean, like you know, uh, I, I met um, a gentleman by the name of Scott, um, who whose apartment was the fucking reading was held at, um. Uh, I had the pleasure of meeting him through Twitter, and he had he had set up a number of readings. Um, him and excuse my ignorance, um, the guy who looks like Fidel Castro, the Latino Manny. Uh, Manny. Yes, Manny. He's a he's a former guest, Manny Moreno. Yeah. Right. Excuse excuse my ignorance, because I no, I no. only met I only met him once at a reading last summer, actually. Uh, so so no. Um, uh, I had the pleasure of meeting Scott through Twitter. So it just like and hey, like we hung out. We're both friends with this. Uh, we have a homie named uh, Roman, Roman D'Ambrosio, uh, stand up guy, by the way. Uh, he's a playwright and he's written gold. And he actually oh, right. us, he was just uh, on uh, the beautiful toilet. Nick Dolan's yeah. podcast. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, he sent us a one act play for issue four of Cars and Women called oh, Gorilla sweet. Days. And uh, it was it's flawless. Um, and we occasionally get emails where people are like, not enough Roman in issue five. What the fuck is your problem, fatty? Yeah. And I'm like, thanks for subscribing. <laughs> uh, so, uh, like, you know, I don't know why they feel like entitled shareholders, but okay, I'll, I'll see what I could do. Um, but no, um, so like if it's someone I know and I've met and, you know, we've, we've, we've hung out or at least have spent time around one another, um, yeah, like I'll pull through, like you know, under like normal circumstances. If it's if I don't know a person, like for example, uh, one time uh, Roman and I crashed an art gallery, and uh, we didn't know anyone there, so it was like, all right, wearing the mask is better than just like you know what I mean. Oh yeah, totally. uh, yeah. So so yeah, it, yeah. it sometimes depends on the set and setting. Um, I'm always surprised how how receptive people are to the mask even in public even like in the fucking street yeah, um, yeah well like, it, it is it is iconic i mean my comment on it is dan you and i have talked about like if and when we'd ever have the opportunity to like a video podcast or like yeah. you know, other people do those and like what if we got invited what would you, what would you do what would i do because we don't really face fag so to speak <laughs> but yeah. um this seems like something like a luchador mask where it's you know because you don't want to be like some, some some lame thing where you're like just censoring your face that seems a little self-important or something but if you go ahead and actually have like an iconic thing that you always do like a luchador mask uh there you go you've you've kind of cracked the code oh so it's, well it's not a bad not a bad uh not a bad look well part not of it at all and thank you. I mean, I think part of it. Well, first of all, there is like uh, there is this difficult to articulate, but beautiful, mildly sinister, and kind of cool aesthetic of just like dudes wearing masks, or just like totally. masks yeah. in general. All right, and there's something particularly—I don't know what to call it—but once you have two or more people 
and everyone is wearing masks, there's like it's something in the air. You can't quite put your finger on. It's mildly sinister, but very cool and badass. Yeah. 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 Or or when you see like the fucking Basque separatist movement and it's like 50 dudes in the woods all with balaclavas and black masks. Like that's like it's kind of dope. Um, I'm not saying ISIS is cool, but like they're wearing masks. They know what they're doing. Um, so oh, yeah, it's that uh, guys, you, you know what mask I'm wearing, I'm wearing a Shiba Inu mask. Nice. <laughs> uh, if, if you could, if you could find a Baltic hat, like it's on. It's on. <laughs> exactly. So, it's a, so, a Doge hat, I think. You, like you, Doge need, of Italy. You, you need to find, um, you need to find an Estonian shepherd's hat, uh, to really complete it. So, so, um. Uh, the mask. Well, how I got the mask is a bit of a story, and we could probably end on that. But uh, just very quickly, sure. I I I felt I needed something for lack of a better term, semi anonymity, because like, look, I, I've been I've been saying and writing what I've been saying and writing ever since I got out of high school, and for the most part, no one gave a shit. But it is funny how I put on a luchador mask. And I go from nobody to the guy talking mad shit on Twitter to the flyer guy to the shirt guy to the Cars and Women magazine guy to the Stop Tomboy Genocide guy in like two and a half years. So, so far, not bad. Um, I will say the mask is sort of a very easily and identifiable way to like identify me, like because there are masks. Yeah. But like luchador mm -hmm. masks are a unique and particular um cultural touchstone in mexico and also like like luchador masks in fact the whole luchador mythos and everything it's kind of just on an aesthetic level it's kind of cool and dope and awesome it's like a living pulp comic like character come to life so uh yeah, um, yeah so um so i uh i wanted to do things uh, and I've been able to do things like live and live streams and do things on the internet. And, and I miss, I used to do videos on Twitter while I would just read into my phone and upload that. Like I'd read from my notebooks and shit. I want to do more of that. But like that wouldn't be possible without the mask. And like you said, if I were to just blur my face out, like that would be really, unless I really commit 100% and it's like, you know, like, hello, I'm in witness protection program and my face is all blurred out. Again, like Banksy was in that documentary. A, yeah. a little, a little, not, you know, some people do that, obviously. Dan used to disguise his voice, but like, yeah, I don't know. Luchador mask is more fun. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, so what happens is, uh, once upon a time, uh, I was dating this, uh, I was dating this girl who was a gigantic weeb. All right. Mm -hmm. And uh, and her favorite one of her favorite things was a uh, Sailor Moon. So for right. Halloween, uh, she dressed up, which like, by the way, like, yeah, I know everyone has a fun time in their city on Halloween. And I'm sure it's fun in L.A., but like Please. Halloween in New York yeah. City is kind of fucking ridiculous. And, and on top of that, like, even though there's a village Halloween day parade, which really is worth people's time and attention to go check out, because part yeah. of the joy is anyone can walk into the parade. Um, Queens has its own Halloween Day parade, which, like, of course, it's like the equivalent of like the Staten Island Yankees compared to the actual Yankees. But it's like it's a beautiful slice of Queens trash. Mm -hmm. what, what's your excuse, Brooklyn, Mister Baltic? Yeah, I'll make noise. No, no, we, we gotta keep up here. We gotta do a uh, a Park Slope Halloween parade. <laughs> so be the gayest parade <laughs> in the city. 
Oh no, ours ours is in Jackson Heights, which is one of the highest LGBT population. So good luck. Seriously, good luck. Heights? Good luck trying to out gay us, buddy. Um, uh. I forget if it's in East Elmhurst or Jackson Heights, but in in one of those areas, it's a particularly high uh, percentage of LGBTQ people, which again, super diverse, and no one picks on them because everyone self segregates and everyone knows better. All right. Not all New right. Yorkers are like angry, cursing. I'm fucking walking here, like guys who <laughs> run you over. Just some of them. So, um, at the time, the good ones. Yeah, uh, the honest ones. Um, so, uh, so no, 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 no. Um, so I, I, I wanted something. I needed something to put over my work clothing because at the time, and this is the only real thing I miss about going into an office. Uh, getting, getting to, getting to dress up like I'm a fucking goon because my, my, my uniform for the longest time just used to be like, you know, trench coat, like slacks and shirt and tie and briefcase. And if all of that is black, except the shirt, the shirt is white. Oh, like people can't tell if you're like, are are you here to collect on some oops insurance for the banana family? (laughs) Or like, you know, are you, are you Homeland security? What's your deal? You know? Um, so I needed or, something uh, to wear. Our listeners who who have not met uh, Haynes, he uh, has the physicality of a refrigerator. He is uh, very, uh, you know, formidable. So <laughs> that's uh, yeah, in, yeah, in a so, you know, um, you know, big way. Not you know, you know what I mean. Oh no, I I, I I appreciate that, man. So yeah, so if I dress up on top of that, now everyone thinks like you know, like. Is someone here to get hurt or arrested, <laughs> like or or shook down, uh, and and and, it, and it's always weird to see like it's always weird to see kids cutting school quiet down and get on their best behavior if I'm on the train because it's like no kids I, continue continue dumping out the blunt guts on the fucking floor I'm not gonna snitch on you you go <laughs> anyways anyway so um I needed something to put over my work clothing. And uh, I go to I go to Halloween City, which is not far from Union Square. Now I don't know I don't know if this makes sense to you two gentlemen or any of the ladies and jerks listening at home, but let's say let's say let's say you're cooking, and you need a lime, and you go to the supermarket, and there's like a pyramid of limes, but like one lime in particular like presents itself to you, mm-hmm. like one one lime in particular like your eye is immediately drawn to, sure. and like. And, and if you're lucky, you look away and it's hard because your eye goes back to it. All right. So yeah. that same way, I, I walk into Halloween City and I go to the section where it's just an entire wall of masks. And it was like 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 in like in West Side Story where like, you know, that the fucking Guinea Dago Wop falls in love with Maria <laughs> and, it go, and it goes and it goes all like yeah, soft yeah. focus. And he's fall. It's like love <laughs> at first sight. And it's also right. So all the other masks just faded away to my peripheral and became blurry. And it just like it, as if it were revealing itself to me. this blue luchador mask with like the silver trim on the eyes and the nose and the mouth. And I and I remember getting it off the, the little like hook it was on. And uh, I pay for it. And the woman's like, would you like a bag? And I said, no, thanks. I'll wear it out. And I take it out Very the package. Cool. Uh, and and uh, I walk out, and I remember upon exiting Halloween City, there was a couple that walked by, and it was immediately like, "Oh yeah, mira, the blue demon," and thus began the, this evening of like husbands and boyfriends who are now 
flipping out, like mostly of Mexican heritage, of course. But even like little Mexican kids are like, <laughs> and now I'm like flexing and doing the Hulk Hogan poses with all these like uh, basically the kids and the father of a woman who's like, oh, just every fucking year, uh, like just like <laughs> ever so solemnly putting up with their shit and my shit. But no, I was overwhelmed at the positive response to it. Um, even people who had no frame of reference to luchadors like it's because like listen not to brag but like it's kind of cool when you wear a shirt and someone's like bro that's a cool shirt in public right yeah like so it's kind of like empowering like if someone's like yo that's a sick mask son excuse me i will strut for the next few blocks i'm gonna ride this out for a while and 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 sometimes not to brag but even like women will be like like wink and smile and it's like every once in a while a woman will be brave you know, do nice. you wear the mask? Do you wear the mask all the time? And it's like, I don't kiss. <laughs> I, and it's like, I, I don't kiss and tell. And, you know, it's just, it's, the mask does a lot of heavy lifting at times, I will admit. But yeah. but no, um, it's sort of um, it, it, the mask began as a choice out of necessity. And now it's like on the flag. Like now it's 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 buried in the foundation. You know what it's I mean? Your, it's your handle. It's your avatar on Twitter. And yeah. Yeah, I do do need to jump, but we hit a nice two, 2.5 hours here. Uh, it's going to be a great, great show. And I, I think ending yeah, yeah. on the, the Stane Haynes, almost like the origin story is not a, not a bad way to go out here. Yeah, the dude. Origin of the Luchador. Dude, thank you so much for having me on. And, sure. uh, I really enjoyed meeting you online. Yeah. And yeah. Dude, yeah. Thank you for coming uh, on. It's, yeah. uh, you know, it's an honor, man. L- listen, um, what you guys are doing is great because, you know, DIY psyops come in like many shapes and forms. Um, and, you know, um, even though it is a weird, open ended, not broadly defined term, like, you know, like like uh, um, dissident and the new right. And I just think people have to label things they don't understand or things they're afraid of. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not Absolutely. saying we should I'm not saying we should reject that label outright, but. Uh, it is something that is often laid at our feet by people who would want nothing more than to watch us like pick up pennies ahead of a steamroller, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but, but that being said, uh, it's abundantly clear that you strike a chord with people and others pick up what you put down. Um, if not just by virtue of the guests you've had on, but like, you know, Dan, people like tell you they, they, they fuck with your shit. And let's be yeah. honest, like it's, it's, it's a very empowering thing because that makes you go, all right, it was a good idea to go forth with this, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. I mean, when you like hear validation in meat space, it reminds you that this thing you're doing on the internet is real. Absolutely. And that's uh, right. That's some good shit. So, so fellas, thanks for having me on. Um, it was a blast. Sure thing. Thank you for coming on. Yep. You have both have a great rest of your uh, Saturday. I'm going to stop with you.